0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: WPHC, WPHC, HD, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will. This is is, is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli.
2: i tell you, it has not been a good weekend for Trump derangement syndrome. It's not been good. Not been a good weekend. You got Michael Rappaport, who hated Trump's guts. Now he's on the team. You got Fitty, Fitty Cent. You got Snoop Dogg with a tattoo. I mean, this is a bad weekend for them, but big time bad because the Hill.com with a piece, Fears Grow, a key Trump legal fight could be delayed. Oh, no. How are they going to get him in prison before Election Day? Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you're enjoying all this sunshine we have. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I'll tell you, you know, as I was um, watching last night, uh, not the Grammys, because I don't watch those shows, but I was thinking about other things. And then this morning I watched the clip of the Grammys, just one one viral clip that's been going around of the song Fast Car by Tracy Chapman, which was a huge hit when I was a kid. And there was a remake that was done by Luke Combs and they wanted to cancel Luke Combs. They wanted to cancel his version. But it was a made up controversy. It was a made up woke Nonsense controversy. And so yesterday, Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs sang a duet to Fast Car in a giant FU to cancel culture. And I thought it was glorious. I really did. I thought it was glorious. And then Shane Gillis is going to be hosting Saturday Night Live, with like a year after Saturday Night Live canned him, two years, whatever, after they canned him over things he said as a comedian on a podcast. So he's back. And um, yeah. For Trump, he's getting all these black voters. MSNBC went down to South Carolina and went to a black barber shop, and found out that black voters are saying that under Trump they had money and under Biden they don't. And that's why they're probably voting for Trump. That's not good if you're Joe Biden. That's not good. And we have people sneaking into the United States of America from Canada. There are New Jersey smuggling gangs, I kid you not, who are leading people through the border of Canada into the United States of America. And the reason why they're doing this, of course, is because they don't get in trouble. I mean the, the the coyotes, the smugglers don't get in trouble. That's number one. But number two, you don't have to worry about razor wire. Am I right? Or am I right? I'm right, right? So you don't have to worry about razor wire, so it's a lot easier to come in from Canada. Also, it's easier to get into Canada. Because you really just need a visa, and then you just illegally come into the United States of America. So there are these New Jersey gangs that are paying, that people are paying buku bucks for a luxurious escape into the United States of America as an uh, illegal immigrant. So there's that going on, too. And uh, the mayor, I'm sorry, the governor of New Jersey, King Philip the Unaccountable, his royal rugness, wants to lower the voting age to 16 years of age for school board elections. Now, the question that I have is, of course, why just school board elections? The argument is they have a stake in it, but these 16-year-olds live in towns. Don't they have a stake in the town? They live in a country. Don't they have a stake in the country? Of course they do, which is why, ultimately, that is the goal, of course, to get them to vote at 16. To to buy cigarettes. so they want to raise the age to uh, minimum 21, minimum. To buy a firearm, minimum 21, probably 25, and uh, no vaping. Of course, no flavored vapes, no nicotine pouches, not until you're 21, but yes, vote. And definitely, since you have no stake in the game, vote for school board candidates who will raise my taxes. Because in case you haven't checked lately, the biggest chunk on your property tax bill comes from your schools. At least in my state of New Jersey, it does. In most states that way, too. So yeah, you give 16-year-olds the right to vote, but just in school board elections, just for now, until eventually they're voting everywhere. And this is the Democrats talking out of both sides of their mouth, as they always do. You know, you should not be able to buy a gun to your 21. Your brain's not fully developed, but you should vote. Why? If your brain's not fully developed, why are you voting? Why are you voting for people that can raise my taxes? Why are you voting for people that can send my children theoretically into war one day? Why should you be allowed to do that if your brain's not fully developed? And then at the same time, you could get a sex change operation, but not a cigarette. And you could vote, but not get a gun. And you get a sex change and a vote. You could do a a sex change vote in one thing, but not a smoke to have it after. And certainly not not a gun to, you know, exercise your Second Amendment rights. So they're all over the place, as usual. And we'll get into that with you as the show progresses. But the big story of the day today, which is brought to you by our friend, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. My buddy, my friend, the master of dental implants. Go see him today, VenariaDental.com. Is it Speaker Mike Johnson wants to have a clean, Standalone Israeli aid package not tied into Senator James Lankford's bill, which is known as the Compromise Bill in the Senate, which would essentially now legalize the invasion. Daniel Horowitz is a great conservative writer. He said this legislation, Lankford's a Republican from Oklahoma, and Mitch McConnell, of course. So they're all, you know, as usual, as you'd expect, the Republicans in the Senate, the pro Ukraine crowd waters down existing immigration law, provides the president with toothless emergency powers, all while lavishing billions more on Ukraine. And he writes, you know, you got to hand it to Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma and Mitch McConnell's other lieutenants in the Senate. They really did manage to solve the illegal immigration crisis. They're simply going to make the invasion legal. You know, if you notice, uh, there's more and more stories now about how Chinese migrants are crossing the border. And there's all these TikTok videos showing them how to do it. They even had in sixty minutes they were showing people how to cross the border illegally. Sixty minutes was there watching them come through. Anyway, in exchange for the United States agreeing to an endless flow of illegal immigrants across the southern border, Democrats will get another sixty billion dollars for Ukraine. Sixty billion for Ukraine. Some call that bipartisanship, but we call it disenfranchisement of the forgotten American who is always placed last in the ultimate abrogation of the social compact. We have nobody to blame but ourselves. The invasion will continue and Republican treachery will accelerate until we get serious. To understand the essential treachery of Senator Langford's immigration deal, we must acknowledge that no one is allowed to crash our border under current law. In 2006, a supermajority of Congress passed the Secure Fence Act, It required the Secretary of Homeland Security to take all actions necessary within 18 months of passage to achieve and maintain operational control over the entire international land and maritime borders of the United States. They defined operational control as the prevention of all unlawful entries into the United States, including entries by terrorists, other unlawful aliens, instruments of terrorism, narcotics, and other contraband. In short, that law demands, and is still in the books now, is a bipartisan law, that the Biden administration stop all invaders. That is the law. That is the law of the land right now. Instead, we're going to pretend like the president doesn't have any power here to do anything. This is cute. This is very, very cute. Because presidents have all the power they need to do just about everything these days. Really, I I mean, just about everything. Well, look, we're bombing over in the Middle East. That wasn't authorized by Congress, but the president has the War Powers Act. Presidents can declare emergencies, national emergencies that, that, that exist. They can do that. They have extraordinary powers that can be used for a short period of time or indefinitely, as a matter of fact. You know, there are people over the years like Senator Rand Paul who've tried to reform that so that if a president declares a national emergency within a certain period of time, Congress has to approve it. But that doesn't go anywhere. So the presidents can do, presidents have all the power they need, but we're supposed to pretend like they don't. And we're supposed to pretend like Joe Biden needs extraordinary power. Otherwise, Joe Biden won't be able to do a damn thing about the border. Okay. Now, to understand the treachery of all this, this law right now that is on the books means that the president has an obligation under the law, and so does the Secretary of Homeland Security, to secure the border, okay? Langford's bill would allow the Biden administration to reap the benefits of its own crime, violating current law and bringing in millions of illegal aliens. The bill would essentially allow up to 5,000 illegal aliens a day to enter the country. It explicitly grants the Homeland Security Secretary authorization to provide them with work permits, In fact, page 41 of the bill stipulates that, quote, if the alien receives a positive protection determination, the alien shall be issued employment authorization. Here are some of the other key provisions of this bill. The authority to shut off the flow after 5,000 invaders per day is countermanded by the discretionary authority accorded to the president to suspend any emergency declaration. So in other words, translation, the 5,000 is a Fugazi number. It's whatever number Joe Biden wants it to be. Page 27 of the bill mandates that those seeking asylum shall be released from physical custody. This destroys current law, which directs in the case of an illegal alien who is an applicant for admission. If the examining immigration officer determines that an alien seeking admission is not clearly and beyond a doubt entitled to be admitted, the alien shall be detained for a removal proceeding. The bill would also give full discretionary authority to immigration officials to detain all those presumed to be in the country illegally, pending a decision on whether the alien is to be removed. In other words, everybody gets to go free. Everybody gets to go free with a court date. So it's very similar to the way it is now, except they'll be able to use tough language and make it sound really tough. Like, you know, we uh, we can definitely, definitely hold them. For a little bit of time, if we want to. But that contradicts itself already in the law. What is all this about? I've been telling you what it's all about. It's all about there are a lot of Republicans who want to give money to Ukraine. Mitch McConnell has said it is his number one priority to give money to Ukraine. Number one priority, okay? So now they need cover for it, a lot of these Republicans, because they know it's not popular with you. It's not popular with me. It's not popular with any Republican primary voter. We're tired of it. We're done. It's why Nikki Haley is going to get crushed by Donald Trump in her home state of South Carolina. Did you notice how Nikki Haley was on Saturday Night Live over the weekend? She had a little cameo on Saturday Night Live because, of course, you know, the the corporate titans that exist, the owners, the overlords of NBC, Comcast and all the other corporate overlords would love to see Nikki Haley, but not Donald Trump. So they'll do whatever they can to help her. I mean, ultimately, if she's the nominee, they'll turn on her, too, in the general election. But at least they could live with her where they can't live with Trump. This is a big part of the reason. In addition to weakening asylum laws by mandating that anyone with the intent to declare asylum be released and given work authorization in six months, the bill would also allow the Secretary of Homeland Security to grant parole to anyone with an urgent humanitarian reason. Well, you ask anybody on the left, that's everybody who crosses the border. Why? Because climate change. That's why it's an urgent humanitarian reason. Mayorkas has said this himself. He said one of the, 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 the reason, the primary reason that people are coming here to this country is climate change. So that's it. That's it. I mean, I can't think of a more urgent humanitarian reason than that. Can you? No. And how do you say no to it? You can't. Because then you'd be a climate change denier. And who are you? to say that someone's experience struggling in the face of climate change is not an urgent humanitarian reason. Who are you? You unsympathetic bigot. So everyone will be able to stay because all I got to do is come to the border and just say climate change. Oh, you're in. Yes. No, that is as urgent and humanitarian as it gets. In fact, soon there'll be TikTok videos coaching people on what to say they'll say are you fleeing a, uh, a a tyrannical regime that's torturing its people yes man eh. what else what else you got um there's a ton of crime and poverty yeah we got bad here too what else you got um climate change bingo welcome you got a golden ticket dun, 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 dun. sorry we watched wonka over the weekend it's a good movie by the way very funny And a a big homage to the Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory that we all grew up with. It was a great movie. The bill grants $1.29 billion for alternatives to detention, which would amount to a handout to the NGOs, the non-government organizations, engaging in smuggling to continue harboring and facilitating the invasion. Further turning border agents into babysitters rather than law enforcement, the bill would mandate training for the non-lethal use of force and de-escalation strategies and methods. I met a mom and dad one day. They said their son is down at the border, and they told me how frustrated frustrating it is for him. They said, Rich, he feels like a Walmart greeter. Like His job is to just basically welcome people into the United States of America as a border agent. To the extent states or citizens could ever challenge Biden's liberal asylum determinations made under this bill, all claims would be rooted to the D.C. Circuit, which is about as liberal as the Ninth Circuit, clearly designed to take these cases away from the Texas-based Fifth Circuit. Everything you do is for a reason. The bill would also give the Office of Refugee Resettlement another $2.3 billion to further empower unscrupulous NGOs to colonize our communities. Page 41 Page 149 of the bill codifies the Flores Agreement, which incentivizes illegal aliens to traffic their kids over the border, knowing that they must be released because the Department of Homeland Security lacks the facilities mandated for them under the 1997 lawsuit settlement known as Flores. This has been a big incentive for the invasion, not just under Biden, but also under Trump in 2018 and 2019. And do you remember that they were screaming about kids in cages? Which was under Obama. For reasons only God knows, while we are all dealing with the border flow, Langford's bill would invite in another 50,000 people on green cards. It would also expand worker visa programs and brings in even more Afghan refugees on top of the 100,000 Biden already admitted. Any good in this bill is worthless because Langford's compromise undermines existing law, which every Democrat since Bill Clinton has been ignoring anyway. What's more, the new emergency powers the bill would enact are set to expire 270 days after the law takes effect, which effectively bars the next president from using anything good in the law while being hamstrung by the law's bad provisions. So the bill concedes the border to the left's priorities and bequeaths the Democrats another $60 billion in additional funding for Ukraine. In addition, $300 million for the Ukrainian police... $10 $10 billion for Gaza humanitarian aid, which, of course, as you know, Gaza humanitarian aid will be doled out by Hamas. And they're very humanitarian over there. Undoubtedly, Langford's bill will be dead on arrival in the House. Nevertheless, it stands as a testament to the treachery that runs wide and deep among numerous red state Republican senators. It also underscores the fecklessness of the conservative movement in vetting candidates in states like Ohio or o- Oklahoma, excuse me. No matter what Langford does, no matter how many principles he portrays, he will continue to enjoy the support of the establishment, and everybody is going to be circling the wagons around Langford. Now, the other thing too about this is that even though the Speaker Mike Johnson has said this is dead in the House, and it is, the President, and the White House, are turning around and saying, "Well, then the invasion is going to keep going, and it's on you." Now, the question is, will they be able to, using the help of the corporate media? Will they be able to sway public opinion that really this is the Republicans, that this is the Republicans doing all this? Now, Lindsey Graham, the gentleman from South Carolina, says the border deal will die without amendments. Now, he's a big guy in giving Ukraine money, of course. My question continues to be, why are we dealing in w- with the border and then also with Ukraine in the same bill? Why? The answer is because Ukraine would never pass on as a standalone measure. It would not. Period. It wouldn't, and they know that. They know that. So that's why they're doing it this way. Because it's a scam and you're being scammed. And I've been telling you this now for two months. Two months I've been telling you what's going to happen. You'll get a watered-down bill that deals nothing with the border and it's everything about the immigration system, which is two totally separate things, and they'll get more money for Ukraine. And I've been, I'm exactly right. I was 100% proven correct at every step of the way on this process. And this is because you have Republicans like Lindsey Graham who are demanding that Ukraine get money. And this is how they do it through the cover of darkness under some Fugazi border bill. It's pathetic. And then, of course, you have several senators who are also on the Democrat side. They're going to vote against it unless it restricts military aid to Israel. Because in addition to the $60 billion funding for Ukraine, Israel's going to get another $14 billion as well. All tied into a border bill. A border bill. That's right. 855 if you want to weigh in today. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. We got a lot to chat about. It's going to be a big show. South Carolina is not too far away. And the question, of course, is going to be not if, but how much Donald Trump crushes Nikki Haley by in her home state. But what will the establishment do to try to save her if she can be saved? Don't go away.
1: The only show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the Free Odyssey app.
2: Great duet last night. Great duet at the Grammys, showing you that uh, the controversy was a fugazi, a fugazi controversy. But nevertheless, I'll share with you a little bit later in the show. Washington Post had tried really, really hard to get Luke Combs canceled because he did a cover and it became a very, very popular cover of Fast Car. But then last night, Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs doing a duet together on stage. The audience loved it. Showing that, of course, as usual, most of the woke controversies that we hear are, in fact, manufactured fugazis. I'll get into that with you as well. So this border bill is bad. I mean, it's bad, 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 bad. But it's also bad because of the spending. It's also bad because of $60 billion for Ukraine. But it's also bad for a number of other reasons, too. This is—numbers I, I, are hard on the radio, but bear with me here. If migrant crossings increase above 5,000 on average per day on any given week— DHS is required to shut down the border. If the encounters reach 8,500 in one day, the department is required to trigger that authority. But the federal government is limited in how long it can use the authority. In the first year, the government can use that authority for 270 days, then 225 calendar days in the second year and 180 days in the third year. The authority sunsets after three years, meaning that the authority to shut the border goes away. Now, Biden doesn't need this authority anyway, but he again it's 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 a fake it's a fugazi designed to make you think like they're doing something on the border so that you'll be okay with them giving ukraine another 60 billion dollars that's a scam and it's not in any way shape or form going to lead to a stronger border it's not it's just it's not going to but as we look at all this you have to say to yourself explain to me how it is that Republicans in the Senate are so different from Republicans in the House. And the answer is they're, they're not that different. There are a lot of House Republicans that also want this bill to go through because they also want to give the money to Ukraine because they don't care what their primary voters think. My question is this. If, if you know that Trump wants to call call this whole Ukraine thing quits and Nikki Haley's out there saying that she wants to continue giving Ukraine money, why isn't Nikki Haley winning if that's where the voters are? If that's where the voters are, why isn't Nikki Haley winning? You know, if, 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 if just looking at that, that question right there, see, this is why I don't understand why Republicans don't take a hint. Republicans should take a hint and in the Senate and the House, but they really do believe that they are on the side of right by giving Ukraine another 60 billion of your dollars. And they don't care. And they know that this border bill is a joke. They know it is. But at least they can run home and say that they did something on the border and they can pull out little sound bites and talking points and then they can say, look, I did this. And then when it doesn't work, it can turn around and they can blame something else. Some externality, a judge who rules something is unconstitutional in the bill or whatever it is. And I've been telling you that, too, for a long time. I've been saying to you, listen, listen, here's the deal. You have to realize right now that. this could go to court, this whole compromise bill and die on the vine at the hands of a lefty judge. McConnell's speaking on the Senate floor right now and you know what he's saying, of course. He's going on and he's saying in a very, very slow, methodical way, he's going on, of course, and saying that we need to get this compromise done because the border's wide open and Republicans are going to get blamed for it and we have to give Ukraine the money. In addition to that, if the Ukraine war is so popular if the border being open is not a problem politically, why is it that Trump is beating Biden in such a way that he's beating him? I mean, over the weekend, Steve Kornacki, the khakis were flailing. The khakis were all over the place. As he looked at a new NBC News poll, this poll was devastating over the weekend. It's a head-to-head matchup. Now, I've told you before that, take these national polls with a grain of salt, but the thing about this is, There's trends that happen in in these polls. And these trends all seem to be going in the same direction. Trends showing that Trump is still winning. And the reason why this poll is interesting is because it looks at 16 polls that have all been taken since 2019. So it looks across 16 different ones that have all been taken since 2019, showing that Trump has this lead. Cut number two
5: these are some truly stunning numbers
3: they really are Kristen and let's just start with the bottom line when you ask folks hey if it's the general election and it's Trump versus Biden in our poll Donald Trump now leads Joe Biden by five points compare that to the last time we polled back in November Trump was ahead then but it was only by two points it's even more significant when you look at it this way over time we have been testing for five mm-hmm. years now going back to 2019 a Biden Trump matchup remember 2019 2020 Joe Biden led. He led big in every single one of our polls. For the first time in November, Donald Trump polled ahead in our poll. And now at five points, this is the biggest lead NBC has ever had in 16 polls for Donald Trump over Joe Biden. And of course, undergirding all of this is this question of he is the incumbent, Joe Biden. We ask voters, what do you think of the job he's doing? And look at that, Kristen, 37 percent approve, and now 60 percent disapprove.
2: All right, so then knowing that then, why, why if Biden's all in on Ukraine, if the border crisis is not something that people are blaming Biden for, tell me why those numbers are that way. And then the other thing too is the economy, because it's still the economy, stupid. But I'm telling you, there is such a disconnect between the establishment Republicans and the Republican primary voters on the ground. There is such a disconnect, probably more than we've seen in a very long time in politics, probably more than we've seen in a very long time. And I'll tell you something else, too. There is also a huge disconnect among Democrats and their base, because the Democrat base is not happy with this president. I mean, the the loyal coalition, so to speak, of black voters and Hispanic voters. MSNBC went to a barbershop in South Carolina, went to a black barbershop, and they started talking to some voters there. Just, you know, chat, just chatting with them and, and, you know, why state of things and everything like this. And this is not happy because here, here are black voters in a state that is crucial. Charleston, South Carolina. This is ahead of the primary, obviously, where Trump's going to win. And the voters make it very clear why they are backing Trump over Joe Biden. It's not that hard to figure out. Actually, cut number nine but
1: there are some people in your orbit who are either voting for Donald Trump or considering
6: it? For sure. A lot of my friends are obviously my age, so we're a little younger. Mm -hmm. We've
7: only voted once, you know, for for a president. And Trump is kind of all we know. And they're kind of Trump and Biden. They're like,
6: well, we were broke with Biden. We weren't with Trump. And that's kind of the only thing that I'm hearing over and over again, Mm -hmm. over and over again, is that, well Trump,
8: we had money. Well,
2: okay. Well, we had money. I mean, okay. Yeah, it's not that hard to figure out, too. And then you even have uh, Al Sharpton. Even He's calling it an invasion of migrants at the southern border. Even Al Sharpton's acknowledging that. Because when you talk to voters in the black community, which, you know, I don't know if Al Sharpton still does anymore or not, but that's what they're saying. That's what everybody's saying. So now the Senate has reached a security deal, which is really just more money for Ukraine disguised as a border bill. That's what it is. It is a it is an aid package for Ukraine disguised as a border bill. And this should be no one. No Republican should vote for this. No one should vote for this. But yet it's very likely that we are going to get some iteration of this that becomes the law of the land, some iteration of this nonsense is probably going to become the law of the land, which is just infuriating. All right, we'll talk about all this as the show progresses today. I want to get your thoughts on this, so please do weigh along, follow the show, and, and and weigh in. All right, let me hear from you. And you know, in March, next month, we are going to have our annual Talk Radio 1210 WPHD Travis Manion Foundation Radiothon. And I love this. I love when we do this because it's such a great organization and you are so incredibly generous helping out the people that stand with our veterans and do so much for the veterans. And one of the people that does a lot for us every year with that radiothon is mccausland lock service and they are proud to once again support radiothon as a family-owned business for over 100 years tom chrissy and the entire team understand how important it is to support a great cause like the Travis Manning Foundation. So if you've lost your car keys or your key fob is broken, you got to call them lock service. They are the experts you need to repair, replace, reprogram original factory remotes, transponder keys, ship keys, and more. In addition to major makes, they can also help you with various BMW, Mercedes, Volkswagen, and Audi vehicles. They can help you while you wait. And the best part is they charge in many cases up to 50% below what you'd pay at the dealer. They are a full service locksmith and they are available for whatever you need and they are dedicated to delivering superior customer service. So call McCausland Lock Service today at 610-430-1500. Ask to talk to Tom or Chrissy about how they can help you. That's 610-430-1500 or visit them. They're conveniently located on Route 420 in Prospect Park PA. McCausland Lock Service.
1: Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app.
2: All right, welcome back. It is Monday. New week is upon us. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Dan McLaughlin is a great writer over at National Review. And he's also on Twitter at Baseball Crank. And he joins me now in Philadelphia. Dan, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it.
6: Glad to be here.
2: Your latest piece uh, really had me thinking about the non-delegation doctrine. Now, again, that sounds kind of heady, but we talk a lot on this show about how we can rein in the administrative state. And I think this is one of those ways we can. So as your latest piece in National Review, uh, one of your latest, a major showdown over the power of agencies to make up crimes. Tell us about United States v. Pheasant.
6: So... The non-delegation doctrine is basically the idea that, you know, Congress, the courts are supposed to be able to figure out when an agency is doing something, um, whether or not Congress gave them the specific authority to do it uh, in the statute uh, that they wrote. You know, the idea is that Congress writes a statute and then a regulation is passed that fills in some details of the statute. But if the delegation is too open-ended and too vague, uh, the courts can't really tell. And that's the point where they start to say, wait a minute, maybe Congress handed off its lawmaking power to some agency in a way that's really not supposed to be able to do. So the Pheasant case arises from the Bureau of Land Management, which operates uh, federal land, Uh, vast quantities of it out west in particular. Uh, The case comes out of Nevada where the federal government owns 68% of the land. Uh, And there's this vague statute about uh, the BLM being able to pass regulations for the management and use uh, of that land. Uh, And it doesn't give any guidance at all about what kind of rules they can pass, uh, but it authorizes the agency not only to pass uh, civil laws, but to enforce them as crimes. And so uh, this guy, Mr. Pheasant, uh, was basically pulled over after an altercation with a, a BLM agent riding his dirt bike in the park, and he was charged with, among other things, uh, failing to use a taillight, uh, and that was a criminal charge. Now, there's nothing at all in the statute about taillights or dirt bikes or anything like that. It's just this vague thing that says management and use, and... Um, and BLM used that to create a crime.
2: Bureau of Land Management. So they they, they created a crime here, which is a federal crime. And they they don't have the authority to do that if you read the constitution properly. I mean, if you properly interpret, I think that, you know, legislative powers have to go through the legislature, but this is why this is controversial because this whole idea of, you know, this non-delegation doctrine, meaning that these, these agencies can, can interpret ways. And then as such though, they wind up growing the power through some sort of fiat. I mean, this is very similar in my opinion, to Chevron where, you know, the, the state agent, the federal agencies, excuse me, turn around and increase their power and expand the Scope of what Congress's intent was. This is particularly threat, uh, threatening to people because I mean, you're you're you have an agency here that's creating crimes. So that's that real problem. How do you how do you see this debate going as far as this this concept of well, Congress can't obviously think of every single issue, so the agencies have to be empowered to some degree. But then again, I mean, where does an agency get the right to create a crime out of thin air and then actually then hold people accountable for that?
6: Right. I mean. the 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 courts don't like using the non delegation doctrine because it is sort of this heavy nuclear weapon uh, to say not only that, you know, not only to rein in the agency, but to rein in Congress and say Congress has just given away the store here so the courts don't like doing it. It is it is an issue related to Chevron. You know, they prefer to look at issues like Chevron and, and what they call the major questions doctrine to say, well, you know, we just don't think that the agency uh, was given a certain power by Congress. But, uh, you know, the courts have shown some willingness uh, going all the way back to the, you know, the, uh, the early 19th century to lay down the basic principle that at a certain point, Congress just can't can't hand over the job. And, and look, there are lots of cases where Congress says, um, you know, a classic case would be Congress says, well, you can't charge an unreasonable rate for freight on a railway, right? And they leave to the agency the question, well, what exactly is, how you know, how high a rate is unreasonable, something like that. At least there, Congress has fairly clearly said to the agency, you're in the job of making rates. But you know, the BLM, I mean, they're doing all manner of things about, you know, horses and, and, and grazing and campfires and guns and all sorts of rules that uh, you would never know from re- just from reading the statute that they think they have the power to do all this.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're right. As a result, the Secretary of the Interior who oversees BLM, has unfettered legislative authority to promulgate rules for over 48 million acres of land, which is 68 percent of the state of Nevada. And uh, all all kinds of different things, from what kind of seatbelts individuals must wear, how long individuals can camp at a particular spot, whether whether saddle horses have the right of way over off-road vehicles. Um, I mean, it's pretty much everything here. And these things do come with with jail time correct this isn't just a a situation where they go all right we've created this rule and if you break it we're going to be mad at you i mean people could go to prison for this yeah
6: i mean this is literally making a federal case out of these things and you can go to jail for up to a year or pay a fine of up to a thousand dollars for violating any one of these regulations all of which are just buried deep in the code of federal regulations where an ordinary citizen would never know to look for them um and and the court in the pheasant case said look you know, maybe there's an old case from, like, 50 years ago where where they let Congress do this kind of delegation to for federal buildings because, you know, people don't protest and camp out inside of federal buildings. They can have more control over that. But for these vast tracts of land to just essentially say, you know, the, the Secretary of the Interior is now the government of these places, and then the Secretary of the Interior can delegate his authority down to, like, some state-level director.
2: And, and, you know, you mentioned that it's buried in the federal register, so the old argument would be that ignorance of the law is no excuse, but how could any reasonable person know what these rules are when in their mind agencies don't make laws so they don't pass criminal laws like this they don't they don't just create them out of thin air in in the form of a rule so how is any reasonable person supposed to know uh, what side whether or not a horse has to yield to an off-road vehicle or not for example
6: yeah i mean i i guarantee you that you know i practiced law for over two decades i guarantee you if you took a survey of you know uh people who are veteran you know, uh, lawyers, very few of them would have a- a- be any idea of what the rules are for-, for these places. Now, you know, yeah, that. and then what that does is give an awful lot of discretion to the, the law enforcement officers, the park rangers and the like.
2: But it's just, I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't know. How could anybody possibly know? And that's the other problem here with all this is that we are turning American citizens into criminals. And I think there was a point where at one time they tried to count all the laws that are on the books, all the federal laws, rules and regulations that carry some sort of punitive uh, damage to it, whether it's a jail or a fine or something. And they gave up. They gave up. There's too many. They can't count them all.
6: Yeah, Harvey Silverglake wrote a book some years ago called Three Felonies a, a Day. Book. There was a guy great on book. Yeah, a guy on uh, Twitter who used to do a, a crime a day uh, stat. And, and you just it just keeps going and going and going, the list.
2: So this is now before the Ninth Circuit and uh, the brief is due February nineteenth, and then Amicus briefs or Amicus briefs are going to be supporting the position will be due February twenty-seventh. So my question then is you write, anyone concerned about the lawless power of the administrative state should be watching. In addition to that, are there other organizations that you think will be filing friend of the court briefs here to stand with this and to say that this 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 case here is another example of the administrative state gone wild, the weapon, of government against its own people gone wild and this has to stop
6: i mean i think some of the legal groups that have been doing these cases uh may weigh in i'm hoping more of them do obviously one reason i wrote about it was because you know I, I know that that some of those folks read uh read national review and hopefully will be uh you know will, will be intrigued enough to uh to weigh in
2: i i would hope the pacific legal foundation's involved in this in some way shape or form they're they're always great on this stuff
6: yeah, yeah, and there's there's a there's a number of, there's a number of those groups that, that are attacking the administrative state from different angles. Um so uh you know, I mean the case the the, the groups that are up doing the Chevron case right now, Cause of Action Institute, uh the the NCLA, New Civil Liberties Alliance. Uh there there's a number of these groups. So I think, you know, hopefully they'll they'll see uh see the Pheasant case as another another one that um you know is worthy of attention
2: yeah no no kidding. Dan McLaughlin's with me at baseball crank. He is senior writer at National review online and Dan, let me ask you about Governor Ron DeSantis and the case in Florida. You've been writing about that a lot. Let's talk about it
6: yeah and and of course, with DeSantis you have to specify because there's there's more than one of these cases he is uh you know he he is fighting on all sides um but uh the the big one that has gotten a lot of attention is the litigation with disney um you know the state legislature essentially you know at at DeSantis's prompting went and and stripped Disney of its special legislative district um you know, which is basically sort of a a quasi-kingdom in which Disney has governing power or has had it. Uh, And so Disney filed suit. Um, There were sort of countersuits over whether or not this was authorized under state law. Disney tried to do these midnight contracts on the way out, um, and, and those are being challenged under state law. But the big picture sort of headline case is that Disney charges that stripping it of the Reedy Creek special district uh, is a violation of the First Amendment. Essentially DeSantis and the legislature were punishing Disney uh, for their for the company's political speech. Um, and uh, they lost uh, in the district court. Federal district court uh, decision just came down the other day. Uh, and essentially, you know, it was not a surprise. Because the rule in, uh, you know, from the Supreme Court and from the 11th Circuit uh, Court of Appeals, which governs Florida, is basically that that if you have a statute passed by the legislature and they're acting within their powers – and the statute itself doesn't violate, you know, the First Amendment, doesn't suppress speech or anything, uh, the courts aren't going to ask, well, what motivated them to pass this law? Because, you know, once you start getting into what motivates the legislature, well, there's a lot of people that vote there, and, you know, it's a complicated thing. So traditionally the courts have not uh, looked past that, at least not unless there's like a, you know, a racial animus or something, but not a, uh, uh, not simply a First Amendment retaliation issue Um, so it was fairly predictable that DeSantis was likely to win that case all along. Uh, a lot of people who probably should have known better said otherwise in public. Uh, but, uh, you know, right now he's, he's chalked up another victory.
2: There you go. Dan McLaughlin, always a pleasure to have you on the show. I appreciate it. Senior writer at National Review Online and fellow at the National Review Institute. Follow him on Twitter at Baseball Crank. Thank you, Dan. All right. Thanks for having me.
1: Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT.
2: So Donald Trump over the weekend suggested two people who he thinks could be his vice presidential running mates. I will tell you who he said. Uh, he gave an interview to Maria Bartiromo about it over the weekend. And um Kill Mike was on with Bill Maher and refused to endorse Joe Biden. Much to Bill Maher's prodding, he refused to endorse Biden. So I'll share that with you as well. This comes as a number of black entertainers, including Snoop Dogg and um, 50 Cent and others have made very positive comments about Donald Trump. 50 Cent over the weekend was talking about how in New York City, Mayor Eric Adams wants to give away um, all kinds of cash to illegal immigrants in the form of basically pre- Like debit cards, you know, pre pre preloaded debit cards. And he said, This is crazy. And he said maybe Trump is the answer. So the world freaked out on that. Killer Mike refused to come out and say that he would back Joe Biden Sunday night at the Grammys after winning Rapper of the Year. He was actually arrested on the way out. So many people have pointed that out and just said, is that just a coincidence timing or is this something more, you know, sending a message. We'll have that conversation as well. But who is on Donald Trump's shortlist for Veep? It doesn't surprise me. At least one of the names he said is who I think he may end up picking. But what do you think? We'll talk about that. Big 4 o'clock hour straight ahead. Don't go away.
1: Rich Scioli, weekday afternoons 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.
2: Will it be Christy Noem? Will it be Tim Scott? Who knows? But one thing is clear, former President Donald Trump named both of them as maybe good presidents. Welcome back to the show. Glad you are here today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli, the border bill battle is intensifying before our eyes. But it's dead in arrival in the House. But it's not dead in arrival, period, because I'm telling you some iteration of this creature is going to come out in some way, shape or form. And Ukraine will get the money because at the end of the day, that's what the Uniparty wants. And that's what's all but going to happen. Sadly, we'll continue to do everything we possibly can to push back on this bill. Senator Lankford said uh, he was told don't do anything. that helps Biden. But this bill completely helps Biden. And it, it really, I think, is a disaster. Trump has come out against it. Conservatives have come out against it. It's a bad bill. It is a bad bill, and yet I fear we're getting very close to the finish line where some version of this Frankenstein monster is going to ultimately be what we we end up with. But the big story of the day today is Donald Trump went on Maria Bartiromo's Sunday Future Show, and he named two names that he thinks could be good potential running mates, and I'm wondering if you agree. That is the big story of the day today. It's brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for that perfect smile that you deserve. Veneriadental.com. Great guy, great dentist, the master of dental implants, truly. So first of all, there was a rumor for a while that Trump reached out to RFK Jr. about being his VP. That didn't pass my smell test when I heard it. I didn't believe that. I also think Trump is going to pick somebody who has experience governing, who will give I think that whoever the running mate is, is going to also matter in this election. You know, they typically say that the running mate doesn't matter. But I think when you're dealing with a guy who's over 80, a guy who's close to 80, I think it does matter. I think it's I think it's going to matter in a way this time around that it typically doesn't. And so I I, I think that's not lost on Trump as he thinks about that. He would want to give a, a, a measure of peace to people and calm to people that, you know, if something were to happen, this is a person that could step in. Now, this may be one of Trump's classic distractions where he names names that he never intends to pick. But I don't know. I see Christy Nome on TV a lot. I see her saying a lot of very courageous things. I also see Tim Scott being a guy that's uh, been very, very stand up to Trump throughout this whole thing. So maybe he is really considering both of them. Who knows? Only one person knows, and that's Donald Trump. And it could change many, many times before that person's announced. Anyway, here's what he said over the weekend. Cut number five. When will you announce who your VP is?
9: Not for a while. I mean, we have so many great people in the Republican Party, but not for a while.
10: What criteria are you using to identify who your running mate is?
9: Always it's got to be one thing. It's got to be who would be a good president. I mean, you always have to think that because, you know, in case of emergency, things happen, right? No matter who you are, things happen. It's got to be number one. Who is your running mate? Well, I have a lot of good people. We have a lot of really good people. So you
10: haven't decided who it is?
9: I have a lot of good ideas, but I haven't. And there's no so reason to do that So you haven't quickly. told that person. You're my person. I, I speak to everybody. I speak to everybody. You know, I called Tim Scott this, because so a lot of people like Tim Scott. I called him and I said, you're a much better candidate that for me than you are for yourself. When I watched him, he was fine. He was good, but he was very low-key, etc., etc. I watched him in the last week defending me and sticking up for me and fighting for me. I said, man, I said, you're a much better person for me than you are for yourself because for himself he was low-key for me he's been he's been a real tiger he's been incredible and others have too Uh, so
10: maybe it's tim scott well
9: it could be it could be a lot of people but it was interesting i was watching Tim. i've been watching you know for a while i watched him campaign as a candidate but i watched him over the last two weeks Uh, as you know he endorsed me fully endorsed me gave me a beautiful endorsement and he has been really strong in terms of that. No, but that has nothing to do. I don't want anybody to take even any inference, but it's incredible. Uh, Christy Noam has been incredible fighting for me. She said, I'd never run against him because I can't beat him. That was a very nice thing to say. What was the story that your team reached out to RFK Jr.? Did it's you, a false story, no. It's a false You never reached story. out, you know out what? to RFK Jr.? I like him a lot. Nope, never, never happened.
2: Never happened. Never happened. So there you go. Uh, Christy Nome also spoke with Maria Bartiromo about a number of different things, and she warned Joe Biden on federalizing the National Guard. She warned him on doing this. And you know what? I'm glad, too, because I've said that that would be a disaster uh, for the country. But actually, the only reason why I kind of sort of want it to happen is because I know it'd be a bigger political disaster for Joe Biden if he were to do that. But this is what Governor Nome said over the weekend. Cut 15.
10: President Trump just told me a moment ago he does believe that these military-aged men who are showing up at the southern border from China are being directed by the Communist Party. Is that what you're saying as well? Absolutely. I was down there a few days ago,
11: Maria. And remember, three years ago, I was the very first governor in this country to send my National Guard to the to the southern border because I believe it is a war zone. Uh, but when I was down there just a few days ago, um the vast majority of people I saw crossing the border at that point in time was military-aged men. And the reason that the federal government went after Texas was because they'd actually figured out a way to put up the razor wire that was impenetrable, that people could not get through. They said even those able-bodied, military-aged men could not get through the barrier at that point. And it was so effective that that's when the federal government came after Texas to take it down. So uh, we're deploying all of our resources that we have to support Texas. And remember, Democrats have been encouraging this president. They've been encouraging President Biden to come after our state's rights. They've been talking about federalizing our National Guard, which would be the first time in American history that we would have a president that would pay soldiers to stand down, to actually not protect America. Uh, And if he's willing to do that and to take away my authority as governor, as commander in chief of those National Guard, boy, we do have a war on our hands.
2: That is the question, though, of course, the, uh, the Chinese Communist Party directing the flow of Chinese nationals to the United States. Well, in that interview that, he, that Trump gave with uh, Maria Bartiromo, he says he, he believes we're going to have a terrorist attack if this continues. I mean, You see, I mean, 60 Minutes over the weekend, they, they were showing this, too. You know, the far right wing 60 Minutes showing how Chinese migrants are getting through the southern border. So, I mean, I, China hates us. They're not our friend. Stop. Stop pretending like they are. They hate us. No doubt in my mind about it. And why, why are so many Chinese nationals coming all the way around the world to sneak into the United States of America? Really, it's for a better life. There's nowhere else. There's nowhere else between here and China. Stop. Stop. Cut 16
9: world.
10: I understand. I'm told that the Chinese are paying $35,000 ahead, $50,000 ahead to come to the uh, southern border. They're paying the drug cartels this money. The number of Chinese nationals, and they are military-aged men, you're right, um, up 1,100 percent year over year. Are they being directed by the Communist Party
9: to come here? I believe so. I believe so. And I believe we're going to have a terrorist attack 100 percent, 100 percent. You know during my term i had no terrorist attacks you know that right so they'll be I had, I had, what are they i had all sorts of bans on people from certain countries i had bans all over the place we had no attack i had nothing in the world i understand
2: now uh do you think trump would pick either tim scott or christine ohm let me know eight five five eight three nine twelve ten or on twitter at rich zioli doing our check-in on social media uh old man dudley says neither one Newman Price says, Rich, I think Tim Scott is a great guy, but I think he got a little too hokey with some of his comments after suspending his campaign. Unfortunately, I think he blew it. Tom Tartaglia says, Tim Scott. He thinks it will be Tim Scott as the guy. And a um, couple other people say, neither of the above. What do you think? That check-in on social media brought to you by our friends at Cherry Hill Vavo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, where relationships matter. The question, of course, of how much all this foreign policy plays into things. You know, that NBC News poll was disastrous for Joe Biden. It really is. It's disastrous. And the thing about it is that it's, it's, it's like poll after poll showing this. So it's not, these things are not outliers. These things are really the trend. It's trending very, very badly for Joe Biden in every single shape and form. And a big part of this was, um, you know, the fact that 60% disapprove of Biden's handling of foreign policy. Kristen Welker, the host of Meet the Press, had on the National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. We, you notice we have not heard from Biden, not not at all. We have not heard from Biden, w- not one thing. The guy's running for president, allegedly. He's in campaign mode, allegedly. He's the commander in chief, allegedly, and he has yet to come out and say anything. We've launched these. We launched these strikes on Friday. They have not accomplished a damn thing, and we blew up some warehouses. We we've achieved nothing here. But regardless of the fact. The commander in chief has yet to say a word about any of this. So, as usual, we got to turn to acting president John Kirby. We got to turn to Jake Sullivan. We got to turn to all these people to get the information about what's happening because the president of the United States is saying nothing. Now, I don't understand politically how that's possible. I, politically speaking, I don't understand how that's possible. Because if nothing else, here's a moment for the commander in chief to come out and sound like the commander in chief. Reassure the country, tell them that I'm not going to get you into World War Three, but this is how we're going to stop it and have a very presidential moment. Instead, we get the spokespeople on TV, but the spokespeople are not running for president. You know, last time I checked, Jake Sullivan is not on the ballot. Last time I checked, John Kirby is not on the ballot. So what does that tell you? Is it just that Biden's lazy? Well, yeah, Biden's lazy. We know that. Of course, he's lazy. No question about that. But then the other thing is that they know that Biden can't handle questions on this. Do you realize Biden just turned down doing the, again, for the second year in a row, the halftime interview during the Super Bowl with Nora O'Donnell? Now, Nora O'Donnell is a very friendly person to the Democrat Party. Biden should have nothing to fear, but she does ask some tough questions from time to time. She wants to at least show people that she would ask some tough questions. But even if they gave the questions in advance, which I'm sure they'd be more than happy to do, Biden's still not doing it. Now, think about this now. Companies will pay $7 million for a 30-second commercial during the Super Bowl. The president, who's up for re-election, if his campaign wanted to put out a campaign commercial during the Super Bowl, it would cost them anywhere from 5 to $10 million, depending on how long it is. So here's free advertising. Here's, here's the chance for the president during the halftime show to go on national television. Now, granted, I know a lot of people during the halftime show, they don't, they check out, they don't really watch these political interviews. Maybe they, they have no interest in them, but a couple clips go viral here and there. A couple of people tune in here and there. You never know. The point is, why would you give that up? Why would you give up that free advertising platform? You're running for reelection. It's a frigging Super Bowl. It's the, it's the biggest show in the world. It is the highest dollar advertising venue, period. And you got a free opportunity to sit down with the the sponsor, with the the freaking network that's airing it, and have a halftime interview, and you're saying no. Again, that makes no sense. But it does make sense if you think that that Joe Biden can't handle questions. It does make sense if you realize that Joe Biden cannot speak on his feet. He can barely read on his feet. I mean, honestly, when they turn that teleprompter up so many times, everybody's just wishing that they would just flip it around. Let us read whatever is written for him on that teleprompter and call it a day. This way we don't have to stand there or sit there and watch him stumble his way through it and yell and whisper and yell and whisper. And it's just nauseating to listen to. But think about it. You're the Democrat Party. You, you don't you're hiding the commander in chief. You've taken military action uh, against our so-called enemies in the Middle East. You, you've taken this 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 action to save American lives and get revenge for the three American soldiers who were killed in Jordan. You're doing all this commander in chief hidden. The guy's running for reelection. You, you have an opportunity to get him in front of potentially now millions of voters. And you're hiding him because the guy is hiding his own Easter eggs and he cannot speak. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, there's no other reason for that. So again, we have to turn to people like Jake Sullivan, who's not on the ballot, who's not running for re-election, and who's not the commander in chief. Cut 19.
5: Okay, let me ask you finally, Jake, our new NBC News poll, which we were just discussing, found only 29% approve of President Biden's handling of the war in Gaza, 60% disapprove of his handling of foreign policy overall. Should the president be factoring the public's disapproval into his foreign policy decisions?
4: Well, I can't speak for the American people, but I can speak for the president. And the president every day is working tirelessly uh, to deal with the threats and challenges we face in the Middle East.
2: Tirelessly. He's working tirelessly. Well, then why does he come out and say anything like that? Why does he come out and say it? Now, the administration, you know, and I know, we did, in fact, telegraph what were all the attacks were going to be. Of course, it was all telegraphed. It was staged. It was a show. The whole thing has been a show. The whole thing is a show. But the only thing you're not getting is the political benefit of having a show where you've got the commander in chief out there actually speaking and getting whatever credit you would get in a situation like this. Because typically this is the kind of stuff that makes someone look presidential, especially a guy who's got a 65 percent disapproval rating and we're over 65 percent disapproval his handling of foreign policy matters. So you have this golden opportunity here to come out and sound like the commander-in-chief. Whether you agree with the missile strikes or not, it's still an opportunity for him to come out and sound presidential. And they're not doing that. So Jake Sullivan, again, who's not on the ballot and who's not running for re-election and who is not the Democrat nominee, he's got to come out and say, no, 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 this wasn't telegraphed. That's ridiculous. What a ridiculous notion that is. Cut 20.
4: Those responsible, accountable.
5: There are uh, reportedly civilian casualties in Iraq and in Syria as a result of these strikes. Uh, Does the U.S. assess that any of those hit in these strikes were actually Iranian Al-Quds Force personnel? Or did the fact that this was so telegraphed in advance give those personnel time to go to ground?
4: Well, first of all, Margaret, on the telegraphed point, President Biden has been saying for months that he would respond to attacks. We have responded to previous attacks. Mm -hmm. And when three service members were killed, of course, Iran knew that the United States would respond. So the idea that somehow this was telegraphed, uh, I think, is a bit more of a political talking point than, uh, than a reality. Secondly, the targets that we hit, we believe, with conviction, were valid military targets. They were ammunition depots and command and control centers. They were the instruments that Iranian-backed Shia militia groups were using to attack American forces. We are looking at uh, the casualties, who precisely was killed. I don't have anything to report to you this morning publicly on that, uh, but we will continue to make our assessments.
5: But no one, for example, in IRGC leadership, in Iranian leadership, no one of significance was targeted.
4: As I said, uh, we are continuing to assess the battle damage, and uh, when we are prepared to share that publicly, we'll do so. I am not prepared to do that with you today.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Not not prepared. Not prepared. Of course, they were telegraphed. Everybody knows they were telegraphed. Give me a break. We all knew that. The whole thing's a joke. The whole thing is a show. Then fine. You know whatever. I don't care. I just all I care about is knowing if the commander in chief is even alive. That's all. I, I mean, is he even alive? Has anyone seen him? If he sees his shadow, do we have six more weeks of bombing Iran? Would we bomb Iran? Could we bomb? Is it it conceivable that we could strike inside Iran, inside the Islamic Republic of of Iran? And what would that mean? Is that something that's on the table? Well, again, not running for president, not on the ballot, not up for re-election, not the commander in chief. Jake Sullivan doesn't rule it out. And here's the other thing, too, about this. This is a a remarkable foreign policy statement to make from somebody who's not the commander-in-chief. Because the one thing I think a lot of people are wondering right now is, are we going to have World War III here? I mean, is this going to lead to a massive war in the Middle East? Is this going to lead to a war with Iran? And then the question becomes, what are the implications of that? So this is kind of a big policy statement to make, in my opinion, from the National Security Advisor and not the commander-in-chief. But again... The commander-in-chief does not have the capacity to be able to sit down with Margaret Brennan, even though she's a friendly face, and have this conversation. Sad, really. Cut 21.
5: Have you ruled out strikes inside Iran
4: Well, sitting here today on a national news program, I'm not going to get into what we've ruled in and ruled out from the point of view of military action. What I will say is that the president is determined to respond forcefully to attacks on our people. The president also is not looking for a wider war in the Middle East. But
5: is it off the table? Are strikes inside Iran off the table?
4: Uh, again, Kristen, sitting here on television, it would not be wise for me Uh, to talk about what we're ruling in and ruling out.
5: So you're not ruling it out?
4: Uh, I'll just say the same thing one more time, which is I'm not going to get into what's on the table and off the table when it comes to the American response.
2: I'm sure Iran is shaking in its boots right now and thinking to itself, man, we better not do anything to tick off the United States of America. I'm sure after that, that, that powerful performance by Jake Sullivan, I'm sure Iran is quaking. So this is the thing. I mean, you, you, you have an unpopular president, deeply unpopular president, losing bla- hemorrhaging black support, hemorrhaging Hispanic support, a border that is freaking wide open and an invasion that is not going to be stopped by this bill, not any way, shape, or form. You've lost Killer Mike. You've lost Snoop Dogg. You've lost Michael Rappaport, who was an actor that hated Trump's guts. And the guy can't even come out and look presidential in the middle of strikes in the Middle East. This is such a disaster for these people. 855-839-1210 if you want to weigh in. Uh, on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. we got a lot to chat about today. It's a busy afternoon, as you can imagine. And when we get back, I'll uh, play a little killer mic for you as he refused to endorse Biden. And what did the actor Michael Rappaport say about Trump? So much to come. Don't go away.
1: The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, in the free Odyssey app.
2: You got my killer mic ready? Not to Saint the traitorous he is ready to
12: go he's censored and ready
2: to go killer mike censored and ready to go and then arrested at the grammys last night on his way out the door so i'm just saying he said this to bill maher friday night last time was the grammys he won best rap artist of the year correct henry is that right
13: yeah you know i'd never heard of the guy until last night so.
2: you never heard of killer mike how come i've i've heard of killer mike and you haven't i don't know what, what has at- he done He's a, he's a rap
13: artist. Right. He's, what's, he's what's a he's name, a
2: legendary rap icon. What's one song? It's a, it's a monster.
13: Oh, yeah. I forgot <laughs> about that one. What? No, I mean, I, I guess I don't really keep up with rap that much anymore, but I would never heard of the guy until last night. And there were other albums like out there this year, like uh, Metro Boom, and I thought his album would win, but uh, I guess not. Mm.
2: Guess you're not on the pulse of rap and hip hop, huh? I guess not guess not well Killer Mike was taken in handcuffs after he won three Grammys last night he won three Grammys including for that one song that he did in that one so
12: (laughs) now he got arrested he had a busy evening he swept he swept last night at the Grammys I think he also assaulted a security officer uh, if the reports are correct that is what the allegation is is that correct yeah that's what he was arrested for he won
2: best rap song for that one that i mentioned best rap performance for that one that i mentioned and best rap album for the rap album i told you about <laughs> so <laughs> of course uh, but so friday night he made this comment with bill maher on real time hbo take a listen
14: what are your feelings on the election coming up? I mean, Biden and Trump. Are you just mm-hmm. depressed about that as most people my, as a choice? My
7: my feeling is pick your policy, not your person. Find out <laughs> this is this is not the Dallas Cowboys versus your favorite team. This is this is the policies that will affect our generations for the next 20, 30, 40 years to come. So, close your eyes, listen to the policies that are being pushed and and Pay attention even to the people who don't have a chance of winning because they're gonna say policies you may wanna push. And I would say do that, but make it policy-based. So it policy so based. that means you're for that means I'm, I'm for black people in happy black history week. But moment. you're not you're not saying one <laughs> candidate over the other? Hey man, don't get me in no trouble tonight. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: hey my,
7: my, no, my, no, that's
3: your job with me, to my,
7: get me in trouble. My grandfather gave me some stellar advice sometimes. He said, son, sometimes well, you just got to know to stay out of white folks' business. And, well, yeah, <laughs> uh, this well, this, this uh, time, I'm going to keep my mouth closed. I, I still like the policy that the old man had that I was supporting. I would encourage people to find who's supporting that policy and, and see what But happens. you
9: can't get yourself
14: to say, vote for Biden over Trump?
7: You, you want me to list it now? So now, now I'm, I'm just to, saying. That, can can, can he get like, himself to apologize for the crime bill? Can he get, can he get himself oh. to get his head out of his oh. ass and say, black people, you, you are black regardless. I need you to tell me what I need to do. Can he pick a coalition of former people who are affected by drug laws, street gangs, recidivism, and crime, and say, I need you as a board to advise me how to fix federal prisons? If he can do that, absolutely I can. So my challenge is out <laughs>
2: Whoa! Um, why not just say you're backing Biden because he doesn't want to because he knows a lot of people who are black don't like Biden. Apparently, he's a big Bernie guy, but Bernie's not running. So, anyway, I found that interesting. Uh, actor Michael Rappaport. Are you familiar with his work,
13: Henry? Yeah, he's seen in a couple things.
2: Yeah, comedian, actor. Uh, one of the top ten, I'd say, one of the top ten Trump haters in the last several years. I think. Probably out there. When you say Matt, he's definitely up there yeah, in seems, terms of Trump haters. It
12: seemed like in 2020, he was posting some like unhinged anti-Trump video once a week that seemingly went viral.
2: And that was, I mean, like big time dropping f bombs, Trump. You know, like I mean, like, compared him to him, like crazy, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean,
12: he's off his rocker.
2: All right, so. Now he's apparently back on his rocker because he's now (laughs) coming out and saying this. Take a listen.
15: This is why when I say voting for Donald Trump is on the table, voting for Donald Trump is on the table. The other day in New York City, six illegal aliens jumped a New York City cop in YPD's finest. They jumped a New York City cop in Times Square and... We're arrested and released without bail. I know it's a city thing. I know it's a state thing. I know all that. I know all that. I know all that. Okay? Stay with me. Released without bail. Came out of the courtroom on some Tupac. Raising the middle finger with the Detroit Red Wings jersey. Let me tell you something. What the fuck is the world coming to? If you could be from another country, beat up a cop in New York City, and walk out with no f-ing bail? What the f*** is the world coming to? What the f*** is the world coming to? I know Mayor Adams, you're from Brownsville, Brooklyn. I know this f-ing. Like, What the have I gotten myself into?
2: Well, you got yourself into the Democrat Party, pal. But hey, it might be a welcome to the party pal moment for Michael Rappaport. Since he says Trump is on the table. So, just saying, you know. Just throwing it out there. Just pointing it out. Not saying he will, but he's certainly not saying he's not, which I think is relevant. And then, of course, Snoop Dogg got a Trump tattoo on his leg. Is that because has that been confirmed? (laughs) I didn't hear. This is news to me. I, I know. I was told that he got Snoop Snoop Dogg got a Trump tattoo.
12: I know last week he refused to bash Trump during an interview, which was a, a major leap forward for him because, uh, as you'll recall, I think in 2020 um, or maybe before 2018, 2019, while Trump was present, he released that music video where he, like, mockingly shot Donald Trump in the head. Um, so it's quite a quite a turnaround for him. Now, I did see this, though. Maybe he was a
2: different rapper, but there was a... Uh... I guess uh, there was another rapper who put a a Trump mugshot tattoo on his leg. Who was that? That
12: wasn't, that was Little Pimp. Little Pump, I think.
2: Little Pump. Yeah, Yeah, not Little Pimp. That's a different guy. That guy? Little Pump. He's Team MAGA forever, the Gucci Gang rapper and devoted follower of former President Trump. Got a, that's what it is. He got the Trump uh, mugshot tattooed on his leg. (laughs) You go that
13: guy. You're not a fan of Little Pump? No, not at all.
2: I wouldn't know a little pump if he walked in and punched me in the face. I, I oh, would have you no would. idea who he is.
13: You, you wouldn't, he's got a very uh, unique look.
2: I'm trying the to, look I can see, you're right, now that I've looked at his picture, but yeah. I don't know his music or anything like that.
13: No. No, you just named like, the one song, and it's <laughs> one of the most annoying songs of all time.
2: Really?
12: Yeah. All right. I'm trying to pull up his picture now, but Odyssey's internet just died, so... That's oh, good, sho- shocking. Everything here usually works so well. Yeah, I was it's having weird. problems
13: last night streaming with Rooney.
2: Everything Shame. here dies. <laughs> well, that's a good reminder to tell you to listen for free on the Odyssey app.
12: I have it in my show notes. I have to mention that. So. <laughs> you were supposed to mention that starting last week, and I, oh. I, I don't know if you actually did. But Please listen on the free <laughs> Odyssey app. There we go. Now Greg will be happy. Anytime you like.
2: You'll never, ever have to restart it either. <laughs> never. <laughs> Works every time. Hey, the internet's back. That's good. Hey, look at that. Yeah, it's fixed. You can stream the show on Odyssey. You can listen to the podcast. You can uh, go hit the uh, rewind. You're like, wait, what, what did Rich just say? You can hit the rewind. Find out. <laughs> Only on the Odyssey app.
12: And it'll, it'll work most
2: of the time. Most of the time. It works. No, I think it's 90% of the time, it works 30% of the time. What's the line yeah. from Anchorman? Uh, <laughs> Do you remember? It was a, it was about the cologne, right? What is it? It's something like 90% of the time, it works 30% of the time or something? Yeah,
12: something like I that. I think it's 60% of the time, it works ev- every time. <laughs> so, so, it was something like that.
2: Yeah. His Black Panther cologne or whatever it was. <laughs> Hideous cologne.
16: Uh,
2: yeah. It'll smell really good, too. It'll smell really good. Uh, What else do I have? Oh, our buddy, Dr. Coates, Dr. Victoria Coates, who was on the show with us Friday as the United States started launching strikes in the Middle East. She was just on with Maria Bartiromo a short time ago. She was talking about the border deal that is um, a terrible border deal obviously. And this is what she said. Take a listen. We don't know who's coming in, who's already here, how we might get them out. I think the president's
11: supplemental request that finally dropped yesterday is a disgrace along these lines. It does nothing but codify uh, Biden's failed border policies. It's only going to encourage more mass migration. I think that all conservatives, as President Trump said, need to oppose this thing from the get go and ensure that if we do go forward with any agreement, it will actually exercise Biden's existing authorities to close down the border.
2: Kat Camack, who's a Republican member of Congress, she always is, uh, she always sounds pretty good on stuff like this. She was on with Harris Faulkner today uh, a little bit earlier before the show came on cut 14.
17: I, I
10: am absolutely shocked that anyone is even considering this garbage package. And as you mentioned, Biden is going to be putting more pressure on the Senate and the House, really going to the American people trying to sell this knockoff of a border deal. It's like they were trying to sell us on Gucci, but really it's the package that the guy around the corner in the alley pulled out of his trunk. That is basically the equivalent of what this border bill is. But fear, fear not. He certainly is going to be going to TikTok to get his talking points. This is not a border security package. This is a Ukraine package. This is aid for Palestinians package. This is uh, assistance to Arab partners package. This is not border security. This is a way for them to parole people into the United States faster. You are not securing the border in this package. And we would do well not to lie to the American people and try to sell them on that. They already are pissed. We need to make sure that they understand that this is not a border security package because they know that it's not. They can read. We all can read. It's in black and white. This is not border security.
2: You know, She's right. It's not border security. Not when you're handing out $60 billion for Ukraine. But listen, we haven't had a good, uh, a good 1930s reference in a while. We haven't had anyone bring up Hitler or anything like that in, in quite some time. It's been five, ten minutes. <laughs> so with that said, and then <laughs> this is kind of painful to listen to, but Senator Chuck Schumer did just that. So thank God we got a 1930s reference because I was worried that we were going to go all Monday without it. Uh, Cut 12.
8: If it passes the Senate, there are a large number of congressmen in the House. First, there's a big group of hawks in the middle, and they care about funding Ukraine. They always have. And uh, the strategy of Johnson is right now, do nothing. Uh, there's a large number of pro-israel people they care about that then there's a large number of of, of progressive legislators i'm included who want to see that gaza the people in gaza don't starve and we get that aid to them um plus there are some who care about taiwan and there's money there to bolster us against china's aggression there you know we're in an aggressive world and we've got a lot of dictators linking up russia china iran if we don't defend ourselves, we don't want this to be like 1938.
2: Oh, thank goodness. I was worried, Matt. I was going to have to go the whole friggin' day without a 1930s or the <laughs> Hitler, Hitler something. You know what I mean? I, we've gone
12: a while without a Hitler reference. You're right. It's 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 been at least, I don't know, one show.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't think we got one on Friday.
12: Yeah. I think we might have had one Thursday or Wednesday.
2: I think I think there was one, but I, Ann Coulter... Uh, I don't look at her tweets anymore, but I think Ann Coulter compared Trump to Hitler today.
12: A lot of times, I don't even pull the audio because it's just so repetitive. It's like the same thing, the same talking point over and over and over again. This yeah. one, I thought, since it you know related to the border bill, it was worth adding to the cut sheet.
2: No, I think it's good. I think it's excellent. Let's 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 invoke the 1930s uh, <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> I like it.
12: And um, also, Joe Biden. What's I was, that? I was gonna say. Also, it's worth noting in that interview. I didn't grab this portion of it. Um, it, it was pr- a pretty long interview that Schumer did. Um, he said he's not confident that it'll pass in the Senate. He said he's hopeful the border bill will pass in the Senate. Oh, he's hopeful. So it, it may na- pass. in yeah, it Senate. may not even. Yeah, it may not even matter whether or not the House puts it to a vote.
2: Well, the problem though is you've got senators like Kirsten Cinema who like it.
12: Which is surprising, although cinema is basically, I mean, cooked. Uh, she doesn't seem to have any pathway to re-election at this point. She's not raising very many funds for her campaign. She hasn't announced officially that she is running, and every poll I've seen, she's actually in third place running as an independent um, against the Republican and the Democrat. So, I, I yeah, I, she's a, a wild card at this point. Oh, she's wild, and I think she likes— <laughs>
2: Being in third place, if you know what I mean. <laughs> she,
12: li- she she does like the ladies and the guys.
2: She does. And Bernie loves her because she's truly bipartisan. <laughs> that's why Bernie Sanders loves Kirsten Cinema. because she's truly bipartisan. I think Bernie's got a little crush on her. Uh, Just saying. <laughs> but she likes it. She likes the bill. And uh, she was on Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan in Cut 13.
11: So much has been talked about um, with the, as you know, the number of 5,000 people a day, right? We've all heard um, misinformation and frankly just kind of rumors saying, well, the administration doesn't have to shut down the border until you get to 5,000 crossers a day. Well, that's not true. First of all, our law ends catch and release. But when too many people approach the border, asking to come in seeking asylum, we're now mandating that the government actually shut down the border if those numbers get to 5,000 a day. Mm-hmm. But we're permitting the government to actually shut down the border when it only gets to 4,000 approaches a day. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to you be able this is to is like? I'm sorry,
2: but I, I hate math. And this reminds me of if two migrants leave at four o'clock, and 2,000 migrants leave at 6 o'clock, and both migrants get to the border at 10 o'clock, how many migrants will be allowed into the border before the border shut down if a third train of migrants leaves at 1130? <laughs> I, I can't follow this. It's too confusing to understand this.
12: And even if that 5,000 a day, it's no small number. That still ends up being more than 1.8 million people over the course of a year.
2: Yeah, good point. Again, I'm not a math guy, so I couldn't do that math in my head, but that's a lot of people, 5,000 a day coming over. It's not a small chunk of change.
12: No, and as you noted earlier in the show, it's only effective for 270 days. The 271st day, that number can jump to, I don't know, 20,000, and there's nothing legally that the federal government or the, or the, the president can do to shut down the border. So 5,000 a day times 30 days, so it's an average
2: of 150,000 people a month. That's allowed in, right? Yes. And then they're allowed to stay as they seek their asylum claim. So you're, so you're, letting, you're still letting in 150,000 people a month into the country.
12: Which is an insane number.
2: Which is why they keep saying 5,000... They they don't want to say what because if you said if you came out and said that if you came out and said our bill lets in 130 thousand people a month people would turn around and go wait what that's insane but if you you keep just keep turning around and go five thousand five that's all we let in five thousand a day and you have to do the little asterisk a day and then people turn around and go oh five thousand that's not that much that not that many <laughs> that's nothing that's nothing five five thousand that's you know. And that's 5000 that we know about. That's not even the, that's that's only the 5000 that we know about, not the 5000 that we don't. The don't doesn't count towards the 5000 because how would you know if you don't know them? Am I wrong about that? No, you're correct. Cuz there's an old saying in life, I only know what I don't I don't know what I don't know. I can't know what I don't know. It's be impossible. <laughs> so the only you're only talking about the 5000 that you know of, and that's 5000 a day with most days having 30 in them. I grant in February we're going to have a little bit less. But there's leap year, just saying.
12: (laughs) (laughs) I also have seen several senators, I forget if Cinema mentions it in this clip or not, say that 5,000 is just when it becomes mandatory, that the federal government has to act, they have to shut down the border. But technically, the Biden administration could shut it down for 4,999 if they decided they wanted to. But Is there any indication that we've received from the Biden administration or from Mayorkas that they actually will shut down the border before that 5,000 number triggers a mandatory shutdown?
2: And and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it also you get to have people within that 5,000 number that you don't have to count for various different reasons? Uh,
12: Yeah, there was some... um, the humanitarian thing. Yeah, and like families or so, I think kids. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I know there were some.
2: I think it was, If I'm, it, it. maybe I'm wrong, but I think it was the humanitarian thing where they won't count people who really have a, a real humanitarian reason for coming. So all you got to do is just come up with a good excuse. Climate change is the greatest excuse ever because they never say no to that one. That's the ultimate humanitarian reason. So you just come to the border and go, uh, climate change. And they go, all right, you're in. Do we count him towards the 5,000? I don't think we do. I'm not sure about that. I got to check the memo back at the, uh, at, the, at the station. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think so because it's, it's a real human. And then you go, climate change, and I got a kid, I got an uncle in Phoenix, and uh- oh, okay, well, then we don't count you either. I, I, I'm traveling with children, I don't think they count. I think there's all kinds of exceptions to who gets even counted towards the 5,000 a day. And again, let's just say for the record, 5,000 is a lot per day. That's a lot of people every single freaking day. It's not a small number. It adds up, as they say. It all adds up. That's crazy. Uh, All right, 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. And um, Shane Gillis is back on Saturday Night Live, but maybe it's not going to be a good idea to have him host. I will explain upon my return. But first, uh, if you have been thinking to yourself, all right, So my New Year's resolution in January was to lose weight. I didn't get there. You still have time. This sunshine is a great reminder. And don't forget the groundhog made his prediction. We're going to have an early spring, which means you can lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds by the time springtime comes in only 40 days. Just as... You know, we're going to spring forward. we get the extra hour of sunshine. The sweaters will start going away. You will have the fat go away, too, because NJ diet's all natural. Look, you don't want to be taking shots for the rest of your life, do you? No. There's all kinds of side effects with that. You don't want to take hormones, you don't want surgery, and you don't want to eat horrible prepackaged foods. That's why you need NJ Diet. NJ Diet is contractually guaranteed. It's all natural. It works with your body chemistry, your unique body chemistry, to ensure that you lose 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days. That you get the doctor's personal email and phone number, and there's locations close by to serve you. So reach out to them today and get started. Before you know it, the weather's warm, and you are looking and feeling your best guaranteed. Just go to NJDiet.com or call 855-5NJ-DIET, 855-5NJ-DIET, and lose the weight for good. You can do this, NJDiet.com.
1: Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app.
2: I'd say what would be a lovely day if you spent some time inside Berlin's cyberbrothel Cybrothel. It is the world's first AI brothel using virtual reality sex dolls. Um, <laughs> I feel as if the robots have officially won, and this is what Skynet's ultimate gotcha is going to be, that they get everybody sleeping with cyber c- cyber sl- what, cyber horse is that what you call it? I don't know what, <laughs> I don't cyber know. <laughs> I'm trying to understand this you could even sext you know you could send what, the, what are known as um, S-E-X-T sext when you sext somebody you send them you know naughty messages you can even do that with one of the AI robots and then the thing is you can actually have relations with them ugh and these things are freaking creepy looking. I'm sorry, but they're creepy looking.
13: Yeah, no. At that point, you gotta you gotta get outside, man. You gotta touch some grass.
2: I I agree. Kind of Even w- marijuana grass. I mean, something. <laughs> get your head out of the clouds. Ha- have are-
13: you seen uh, the people wearing like the Apple Vision Pros in public? Not yet. Oh uh, man, the pictures are kind of wild. Like, I, walking I just, around wearing these things? Yeah, they're walking around wearing them and like you know, like touching things like in the air, and it looks wild. It really does. It looks dystopian almost. Uh, But honestly, I've seen like some instructional walkthroughs by people who got them. It it, it is really cool. I'll say that much.
2: Well, apparently, I mean, everything is becoming automated, even the sex industry. Yeah. Because they're saying now in Germany, registered sex workers are down 30% compared to pre-pandemic numbers. And everybody's going in the virtual direction. So, I mean, even escorts are losing out to artificial intelligence it's really a problem
12: the photos from uh the new york post it it looks like something from blade runner yeah i'm telling
2: you this looks creepy and i think that skynet figured all right you know instead of trying to kill them let's just get them to sleep with our robots <laughs> and then we'll end their they won't procreate anymore and that will be the end of it
12: yeah apparently you're supposed to wear virtual reality headsets during this interaction as well sounds incredibly romantic <laughs> Incredibly romantic with a freaking robot.
13: And is this a physical place that you have to go to yeah. and bring your headset?
12: I think they provide you with the headset and uh, they provide you with I, the, the doll. I don't
13: want to yeah, I'm not no.
12: sharing the headset. The doll's one thing. I'm not
2: sharing the headset with anybody else. Neither. Right, I'm bringing my own.
12: <laughs> Just saying. (laughs) You know those things aren't wiped down properly. No,
2: they don't wipe them down properly. It's one thing to share a cyber sex robot, but another thing to share the AI headset. (laughs) All right? Stop. Come on. Uh, all right. In the five o'clock hour, Shane Gillis gets brought back to Saturday Night Live. But is that actually a good thing? Joe Biden meets with a dead person, apparently. And the question, of course, is, is Joe Biden taking a page out of Justin Trudeau's playbook and blaming the grocery stores for how much you're paying? The answer to that, of course, is yes, even though I don't think people are going to buy it. We'll talk about all that in the big five o'clock hour. 30 minutes of nonstop talk straight ahead. Don't go away. Rich, the only one.
1: 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHD, and on the Free Odyssey app. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the Free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at. Of nonstop talk with Rich Ziole.
2: The craziness of New York City can be summed up in the following story that I'm going to share with you about what the district attorney there, Alvin Bragg, tried to do to people with fake vaccine cards. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. We are loaded up. It's a jam-packed day on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Don't forget, Wednesday night, our big event with author Terry Hayes. His book, The Year of the Locust, will be in Wayne, PA. And I'd love for you to join us for that event. Just go to 1210WPHT.com to get your tickets. It's going to be our speaker series event at Main Point Books in Wayne, PA. It starts 7 p.m. this coming Wednesday. So please join us for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. The big story of the day today is still the border, and that is brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. My buddy, my friend, the master of dental implants himself, an all-around great, great dentist. So please make an appointment to see him today by going to VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A. Alvin Bragg is a lunatic. We know that. I mean, we know that the district attorney of New York is a lunatic. He just let those illegal immigrants who beat up cops go. But this is amazing. So he actually had charged a bunch of people with having fake vaccine cards. There was a while where Manhattan had a New York City had a, had a vaccine mandate to do pretty much anything. You go into a restaurant, go to a bar, go to see a Broadway show, whatever. And about 100 people bought fake vaccine cards from a stripper in New Jersey, because of course <laughs> there has to be a tie into Jersey and there has to be a tie into a stripper. So a stripper in New Jersey was selling fake vaccine cards and a hundred people had allegedly bought the fake vaccine cards from the same stripper and the district attorney there charged them with felony criminal possession of a forged instrument instrument. But he only chose to go after 16 out of the hundred Fourteen of those 16 opted to plead out to lesser charges. The other people did not face any indictments because either they had prior felony convictions, which would have meant they went to prison, or they were people whose immigration status might be at risk if they were convicted. So they didn't pursue charges against them. You talk about selective prosecution here. Number one, it's insane to go after people for vaccine cards, b- b- Fugazi cards, but whatever. That's you know neither here nor there. Let's just think about this for a moment here. Selective prosecution. So your immigration status might be at risk. Therefore, we're not going to pursue charges. Uh, you have prior felonies, which mean you, you might end up in prison. So therefore, we're not going to pursue charges. But you people over there who've done nothing wrong before, we're going to go after you. Of those 16, 14 pled out. Two others fought back and said, no, not doing this. Absolutely not. And a judge threw out the charges. Thank God. New York State Supreme Court Justice Brandon T. Lantry dismissed felony charges against two residents who had bought fake COVID-19 vaccine cards going over the head of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Bragg had charged the two, who were identified only by their initials, with felonies after they allegedly bought fake vaccine cards from a stripper in New Jersey in an apparent attempt to skirt the Big Apple's vaccine mandate. The Manhattan D.A. Chose 16 of approximately 100 who allegedly bought the fake vaccine cards from the same stripper and charged them with felony criminal possession of a forged instrument. One of the guys, though, pushed back um, and two of the people pushed back and the judge Pushback as well, noting that the Manhattan DA's office under Bragg's leadership has routinely, nearly daily, moved to dismiss significantly more serious counts or entire indictments. In some of those cases, the judge noted in his opinion, Bragg's office worked to dismiss charges against people with prior felony convictions or people whose immigration status might be at risk if they were convicted. These motions submitted by Bragg and his prosecutors are made months or even years after the 45 day period has expired to dismiss sexual assaults, drug sales, robbery, burglary and other violent and nonviolent serious felony offenses. And critics were quick to call out Alvin Bragg on social media after the charges were dismissed. Buck Sexton tweeting out, in Bragg's version of America, hoodlums who steal, rape, and murder deserve the most leniency possible, but people who refuse to go along with the moronic vax card tyranny deserve to have their lives ruined. Monica Crowley tweeting out, Soros DA Alvin Bragg is prosecuting people for having fake vax cards three years after the fact, while letting killers, rapists, drug dealers, and illegal alien invaders who assault cops walk free. Are you paying attention yet? So good for this judge to slap back on the district attorney who is an absolute, um, you know, I mean, but that's right there in that one story. I just summed up for you exactly why New York is so freaking insane. Biden is going after grocery store chains. He's taking a page out of Justin Trudeau's book in Canada. So Trudeau started doing this about a year and a half ago, two years ago, yelling at grocery stores to lower their prices. And now Biden is doing the same thing. Because you and I both know because of Biden's inflation, we are all dealing with the high prices. So now Biden said there are still too many corporations in America ripping people off price gouging, junk fees, greedflation, shrinkflation. And now he's trying to blame the grocery stores and blame the corporations for charging these prices. But of course, you know, and I know, and the reason we all know this is because these prices have nothing to do with the fact that these people are greedy. These people are are charging because everything has caused prices to go up. Kroger's group vice president of corporate affairs said the following. We agree with President Biden. Too many grocers in America have increased margins in contrast to us who have reduced our margins consistently for nearly 20 years to save customers billions. Through our merger with Albertsons, Kroger will lower prices for even more of America's consumers. Only problem is the government's fighting that merger. A new analysis from the White House Council on Economic Advisors suggests that elevated profit margins among large grocery retailers could be contributing to the stubbornly high price of of food on on store shelves. Hey, you see, this is the New York Times. Don't you think, geniuses, that if all this was was a scam, that at least one store would undercut this? We don't have a Kroger in our area, but ShopRite, Wegmans, somebody else would undercut this and charge the real prices. Because if if it's all just them just trying to be greedy and they're all in on it together, usually the way a free market works is that then somebody will come along with a better price if they can still make money on that and sell it at that better price. And then people will buy it from you because you're selling something I want at a better price than somebody else. That's just what we call basic economics. However, if you can't lower the prices because the cost of the item is too expensive, then you can't lower the prices because so much of what we're dealing with in inflation in this economy is because of Biden's spending and going after energy and going after agriculture in general, all these things, but no, no. no, Let's blame the grocery store. You idiot. Blame the grocery store. It's another one of those, you know, deflect and dodge kind of things. There you go. But Biden, of course, doesn't know where he is, who he's talking to, or when he's talking to that person. So he was giving a speech, he said um, right after he was elected he went to the G7 meeting and met with Mitterrand from Germany. Mitterrand is the uh, former French president who died in 1996. But nevertheless Joe Biden says he met with him recently at a G7 meeting. Take a
12: listen. Oh wait, hang on. Uh-oh. Oh, I got
13: it. Hang on, here we go.
14: People of played- more Odyssey
13: internet issues.
12: No, I-
14: Right, right, right no,
13: this right. just so seems to be a regular audio issue. G7
14: medium,
13: Uh-oh. The yeah, because that's not playing at all. It's not you playing? It? I can't. I can't hear it. Oh, can
12: you hear weird. it, Rich? I can hear it. I can't hear it, no. Oh, all right. Well, hang on while I figure this out. That's strange. I could hear it just fine.
2: But nobody, over, nobody listening on the radio <laughs> or uh, streaming on the Odyssey app could hear
12: it. it yeah, So we're happy really you, really you can it, hear, hear it. Yeah, as well, you hear it. I could it's hear okay. it. Yeah, just fine. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, hang on. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll redownload it. Hang on. <laughs> I'll, I'll redownload it,
2: he says. All right. At, while you do that, let me, let me share this with you as well. Uh, I mentioned this story to you at the start of the show today. Fears grow that a key Trump legal fight could be delayed. So this is the fear now from the left. They were really hoping they could get Trump in court before March 4th, Super Tuesday. And that they know, and I broke the story. Well, I didn't break the story, but the story broke on the show on Friday, that that, that court date is, is over now. It's done. Obama-era acting U.S. Solicitor General Neil Ketow told MSNBC on Sunday, quote, I am officially now at the freakout stage. Because now U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin issued a full stop on the trial proceedings, indefinitely delaying Trump's trial once set for March 4th. That only bolsters Trump's strategy to run up the clock and potentially pardon himself for the federal charges, should he again win the White House, sidelining prosecution before a conviction. I'm officially at the freak out stage. Oh, Oh, they are so nervous. Their big plan, of course was to get Trump on trial prior to Super Tuesday and hope that people would make a different choice. That's not going to happen now. It's not going to happen. In addition to that, of course, as you know, as I've been telling you, the Georgia case against Trump is dead as well. Ever since the district attorney, Fawny Willis, came out and said that she was having an affair with the guy who she brought on to be the special prosecutor and paid him to the tune of $700,000. So that case is done to, her office is going to lose it, and that's the end of it. And then the, their their idea of getting Trump behind bars. Really, what they wanted was Georgia. They really wanted Georgia because then in Georgia, Trump would be would not be able to pardon himself, and they would have to have him incarcerated on inauguration day. We would have the Navy Seals go in and rescue him, escape from Georgia penal edition for the penal system, penal code, but the different kind of penal system. Caused the case to blow up, and that is Phony Willis and the guy sleeping together. Huge conflict of interest, $700,000 the guy gets, and then takes her on trips, and it's bad, and that's over. So now that's over, too. All right, do you have my clip? No. No? Do we have any clips? Is it just that one?
13: Yeah, I don't know. The way the audio comes through on that clip, it only records in, like— one ear, so you. Is gotta that, like, do you
2: have it on, I see it on Grabian too. Uh, they just posted it, Matt. Maybe it's better if we try it there.
13: Uh, he'll be in in a second. He's, he's, he's got it. What, he go, what, what do we go grab a snack? No, he had to go in a different studio and record it because the computer he uses doesn't record anything.
2: All right, I'll, I'll I'll just I just texted it to him. Try try this one. I just I sent him a different. he will
13: be, be it'll be ready in a second.
2: Can you can you play the Shane Gillis audio though while we're waiting? Yeah, sure. All right, so Shane Gillis, who was canceled by Saturday Night Live, is going to be hosting Saturday Night Live. Which is great news because, again, it's a victory against cancel culture. Just like how last night we had that beautiful duet between Luke Holmes Holmes and um, Tracy... Help me now, Henry Chapman, Chapman, for fast car. And it was great. It was a beautiful duet. I'll talk more about this as the show goes on, showing you that that whole controversy was a man-made stage, woke, left, fugazi controversy. They never should have canceled Shane Gillis in the first place. He made jokes on a podcast, but they canceled him. Then he went on and did his own thing on the internet. And he built up a huge following. He had a big following before, but he built up an even bigger following. And then Bud Light hired him to be their new guy. Because Bud Light wants to win back men, and Shane Gillis is funny, and they think that he can help win people back after the disastrous Dylan Mulvaney campaign, one of the absolute biggest disasters ever. And Shane Gillis actually is Bud Light drinker, so he's going to be their spokes guy. So then Saturday Night Live decided to bring him on. Now, the question is, of course, is Saturday Night Live doing that because they're trying to win back more conservative-type viewers Is that why they had Nikki Haley on last night? Although I don't think she's a conservative, but you know what I mean? Is that why they had Haley on Saturday night? Who knows? All I know, though, is that Shane Gillis may not. It may not go well for him when he hosts Saturday Night Live. I was not aware of this. Henry brought this to my attention. Of course, here in Pennsylvania, we are acutely aware of what he's talking about. I think the whole country is.
13: But nevertheless, this is what he said. Uh, Bud Dwyer on stage. I should Bud Dwyer. (laughs) Dude, if I ever get on SNL, I will (laughs) Bud Dwyer. I'll be like, live from my mouth, this f***ing gun.
16: (laughs) 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 Oh,
13: jeez.
2: Yeah, he's going to Bud Dwyer it right on Saturday Night Live, which is one of the most prominent Pennsylvania moments in political history, if not ever, I'd say. Bud Dwyer. Oof. Uh, so Shane don't do it don't go through with it all right don't go through with it pal please Uh, all right we got the audio here this is Biden talking about a dead guy who uh, is not even German take a listen
14: people have fled guilty you know right 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 after I was elected I went to what they call a g7 meeting all the NATO leaders. I was in I was in the south of England and I sat down and I said America's back and Mitterrand from Germany, I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, "said, you know, what, why, how, how long are you back for? <laughs> and I looked at him, and the, and the Chancellor of Germany said, what would you say, Mr. President, if you picked up the paper tomorrow in the London Times, and the London Times said, thousand people break through the House of Commons, break down the doors. Two bobbies are killed in order to stop the election of the prime minister. What would you say? I never thought about it from that perspective. What would we say if that happened in another democracy around the world?
2: First of all, Mitterrand from France died in 1996. So Joe Biden was talking to a dead guy at the G7. So now he's talking to ghosts. I can only imagine what happens at the White House when he walks around the White House talking to the pictures of the president's. How many of them come to life and talk to him? Maybe at some point we'll hear that too, what Jefferson told him the other night. Anyway, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli if you want to weigh in today on everything we are discussing. And we got a lot going on. The climate change lunatics are now coming for your tires. I'll get into that as well. But J.D. Vance... J.D. Vance over the weekend went on ABC Sunday with the unbiased journalist George Stephanopoulos. Now, please do not confuse him with George Stephanopoulos, who worked for Bill Clinton and ran his communication shop and, of course, oversaw all the bimbo eruptions and dealing with that along with James Carville. Well, that's what they called him back then, the bimbo eruptions. Not the same George Stephanopoulos. That George Stephanopoulos also died in 1996 along with Mitterrand from France. This George Stephanopoulos is a totally different George Stephanopoulos, an unbiased journalist, no relation to that George Stephanopoulos who died after he killed Mitterrand in France, choked on a baguette. True story. No joke. No joke, folks. George Stephanopoulos choked on a baguette, a croissant in Paris and died. But this George Stephanopoulos, no relation unbiased journalist all just about being unbiased that's what he does in no way shape or form does he use his position to attack republicans defend democrats or tell democrats what to do because that's not what an unbiased journalist does for example when this interview with jd vance went wild and then the unbiased journalist shut it down cut seven
8: you think it's okay for the president to defy the supreme court
16: no, no, George, I did not say fire everyone in the government. I said replace the mid-level bureaucrats with people who are responsive to the administration's agenda. Every That's civil
8: servant democracy. in the administrative one of the state. the no,
16: George, I said the mid-level bureaucrats, and one of the problems that we have in this government... You said every you civil servant in the administrative state. Actually, who don't who, let me finish the the answer, George. You asked the question. We have a major problem here with administrators and bureaucrats in the government who don't respond to the elected branches. Let's just give one very real world example of this. In 2019, Donald Trump, having defeated ISIS, said that we should redeploy our troops in Syria and Jordan out of the region. You had multiple members of the Defense Department bureaucracy who fought on that. So what happened? We have people who are sitting ducks in the Levant right now now, three of whom just got killed because the bureaucrats aren't listening to the political branches. That's a fundamental component of our government, George, that whoever is in charge, agree or disagree with them. You have to follow the rules. If those people aren't following the rules, then of course you've got to fire them. And of course, the president has to be able to run the government as he thinks he should. That's you the way the front- Constitution works. It has been thwarted too much by the way our bureaucracy has worked over the past 15 years.
8: The Constitution also says the president must abide by legitimate Supreme Court rulings, doesn't it?
16: The Constitution says that the Supreme Court can make rulings, but if the Supreme Court And look, I hope that they would not do this, but if the Supreme Court said the President of the United States can't fire a general, that would be an illegitimate ruling, and the President has to have Article II prerogative under the Constitution to actually run the military as he sees fit. This is just basic constitutional legitimacy. You're talking about a hypothetical where the Supreme Court tries to run the military. I don't think that's gonna happen, George, but of course if it did, the President would have to respond to it. There are multiple examples throughout American history of the President, doing just that
8: you didn't say military in your answer and you've made it very clear you believe the president can defy the supreme court senator thanks for your time this morning
16: no 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 no, no george
8: Roundtable's up next we'll be right back
2: i mean if that's not an unbiased journalist i don't know what is That's almost like something that a a hack who worked for Bill Clinton would do to try to get a senator into a gotcha moment and twist his words and then promptly end the interview without allowing the senator the opportunity to come back and respond. But that's not what you saw happen there. What you saw happen there was a guy who twisted the senator's words to get him into a gotcha moment to embarrass a Republican senator and not give him the ability to respond, which is exactly what an unbiased journalist would do and a Democrat hack would not do except I just said this the Democrat hack would do that and the unbiased journalist would not do that. So that never, I guess it cancels each other out. So yes, there you go. Unbiased journalism 101 in that moment. But the wait, there's more, that's how it ended on a gotcha moment with J.D. Vance, who's too, too smart and too savvy and George Stephanopoulos just wants to try to burn him and make him look bad because obviously ABC and their parent company, China, because they're owned by Disney, and Disney, of course, is owned by China. So the parent company, the official name is ABC Disney China, and the unbiased journalist George Stephanopoulos, again, no relation to the other George Stephanopoulos, totally different guy. This George Stephanopoulos, completely unbiased journalist, there to make republicans look like fools as unbiased journalists do and not at all like democrat hacks do who ran bill clinton's campaign but this george Stephanopoulos was not getting it from jd vance who's too smart to actually be able to fall for it so he just shut the interview down that's it just shut it down try to make him look bad but he also uh, accused jd vance of sanctioning sexual assault i kid you not The unbiased journalist also said this, cut six.
8: How do you respond to that, that your support of Trump is sanctioning that kind of behavior, sexual assault and defamation?
16: Well, I think it's actually very unfair to the victims of sexual assault, uh, to say that somehow their lives are being worse by electing Donald Trump for president when what he's trying to do, I think, is restore prosperity. So I think it's insulting to vic- victims of sexual assault. If you actually look at so many of the court cases against Donald Trump, George, this is not about prosecuting Trump for something that he did. It's about throwing him off the ballot because Democrats feel that they can't beat him at the ballot box, and so they're trying to defeat him in court. Uh, this case, like so many of the legal cases against Donald Trump, they're trumped up, they're, they're in extremely left-wing jurisdictions, or it's actually the Biden administration prosecuting his chief political rival, I think most Americans recognize that this is not what we want to fight the 2024 election over. Let's fight it over issues. Let's fight it over how to redeliver prosperity to the American worker and peace to the world at large, not over these ridiculous court cases that, frankly, they've been throwing at Trump for well before he became a political candidate. And they're going to be going after him for a long time because he's his agenda is actually a threat to the people who have been calling the shots in this country for far too long.
8: You call it a ridiculous case. These were juries that found him liable for sexual assault and defamation. That's ridiculous?
16: These are juries, George, in extremely left-wing jurisdictions. These are cases that are very often funded by left-wing donors, and they're cases that are funded explicitly to harm him politically, not to seek justice for any particular group of individuals, George. If you look at all of these cases, the through line, twofold. Number one, they're funded by Donald Trump's political opponents. And the goal here is not to help us actually have a real conversation about how to advance the country forward. Their goal is to defeat Trump at the courts because these people know they can't defeat them at the ballot box. It's really shameful, actually, George. If you think about so many of these people who say we're, we're living in a world where there's a threat to democracy, Donald Trump or his supporters are threats to democracy, and yet they're using the courts to deny the American people from even having a choice. If you don't like Donald Trump, of course, you can vote against him, but you should at least have that choice. And it's telling that the people who talk about threats to democracy are trying to destroy the democratic process in this country. We've got to talk about the issues, George. There are so many crises happening all across the world. There are so many problems right here at home. I think Donald Trump is the best guy to fix those problems, and I think that we have a very, very good chance of persuading the American people. What they don't want to talk about is weird juries in New York City. They want to talk about how to make their lives better and how to bring the world to a more peaceful place.
8: So juries in New York City are not legitimate when they when they find someone liable for sexual defamation and assault? <laughs>
16: Well, when the first of all, let me jump in
2: here. First of all, uh, it was defamation, not sexual assault. But again, it's just it's just just classic, classic unbiased journalist George Stephanopoulos. Classic. Uh, all right, we got a lot more to get to before the show ends. So, what do you, so what's the prediction though, Henry? You think uh, Gillis will do a good job hosting Saturday Night Live?
13: Oh, I think he'll kill it. I mean, hopefully not literally, but like, yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think everyone's going to tune in for this. Like, will you? One hundred percent. Yeah, Matt. I'll probably watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I. I think. It's, yeah. I
2: may not watch it live, but I'll definitely watch it.
13: Yeah, it's something that people are going to tune into, and I hope he like uh, pays homage to, like Norm Macdonald when he came back. After oh right, because they, they canceled they fired, Norm. Yeah, they and fired then they brought Norm him back and then too. He came back and he says, "Well, you know, it's either I got a lot funnier or the show really sucks." <laughs> so I hope I hope he does something like that. That'd be good. <laughs>
2: No, I think he'll I think he'll be great. I hope he does not pull a Bud Dwyer. I, I think I think he'll kill it the classic way of comedians killing it. The way we say you killed that night.
12: <laughs> Let's hope. By the way, did you see that Vanity Fair already has a piece out claiming that Saturday Night Live is now far right because shame. I
2: have it I have it <laughs> right in front of me with my formerly pangolin stained fingers right here <laughs> and I'm reading about this now and they're saying that um, this isn't the first SNL candidate that SNL, the first candidate that SNL has amplified via comedy. Trump has hosted the show twice. In fact, there's a viral video of Trump as president when he hosted Saturday Night Live. It's like a future presidency, and he's going on about, I'm talking about how the world is at peace and the immigration problem has been curbed and the economy's doing great. It's almost like everything that actually happened under Trump. Anyway, uh, they bring up Jesse Jackson, Ralph Nader, Rudy Giuliani, John McCain, Bernie Sanders, and a number of other presidential candidates have appeared during their campaigns. But they go on to talk about how they think the show now is trying to go to the right to appeal the conservatives. And this this is what they write about Shane Gillis. Ready? After remarks from a year-or-so-old episode of his podcast resurface, including mockery of Chinese people, racial generalizations about other comedians, and the use of gay, and a gay slur as a description of confessional-style comics, Gillis was fired, with a spokesperson for SNL saying the language Gillis used was offensive, hurtful, and unacceptable. Gillis seemed to double down in his comments in his first appearance after his firing, which arguably makes Haley, because they tied Nikki Haley into this because she was on over the weekend, herself no stranger to hurtful language, seemed slightly more apologetic. And hey, perhaps apologies are for suckers. Though That's not the word Gillis would use, I'll bet. Despite his announcement upon his dismissal that he was more of a mad TV guy. The Bud Light Pitchman has been invited back to host SNL on February 24th. The show's musical guest will be 21 Savage, who is no stranger to controversy himself. In 2018, the rapper apologized for anti-Semitic lyrics in his song ASMR. He also went on to record with misogynistic and anti-gay remarks in a Rolling Stone cover story last year. Oh, Vanity Fair. You're adorable. You know that you're so cute. So what did Nikki Haley say on Saturday Night Live? We got that for you, too. And uh, yes, the environmental lunatics are coming for your tires. Simone Sanders says, I'll tell you when it's time to panic about Joe Biden's poll numbers. And when the article came out, the story that came out, it said Biden privately called Trump a sick f and more is that true well it seems we have confirmation of the fact i'll share that with you as well as the show continues here 855-839-1210 on twitter at rich zeoli as we continue on a very busy monday oh and a little bit later uh his royal rugness king philip the unaccountable wants to let 16 year olds vote I'll share that with you as well. But listen, Dr. Mike Venaria is a great guy, great friend of the show, the master of dental implants. I'd love for you to make an appointment to see him. Get the smile you deserve with Dr. Mike Venaria. I've been telling you about him. My whole family goes to see him. Complicated dental implants. You got to go to the best, not a chain. And don't go to the closest dentist. Go to the best. Dr. Mike has two offices to serve you, Cinnamon and Woodbury, both right over the bridge, so it's easy to get to from wherever you are. Look, you deserve a great smile. You deserve to feel good about yourself. A smile lights up the room and says so much about who you are. So don't wait. The people there are great. The staff is great. There's great music playing. The offices are really, really nice. You'll love the treatment. You'll love the care. That's why for more than 10 years, 10 consecutive years, Dr. Mike has been recognized as a top dentist in New Jersey. And if you've had an estimate for complicated dental work, please go see Dr. Mike Venaria for a second opinion. Would love for you to do that. So just go to VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A. My buddy, my dentist, and my friend, and the master of dental implants, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. The Zioli
1: Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, in the free Odyssey app.
2: A lot going on today so much there's a ton going on but uh, a couple things i want to bring to your attention that just happened uh, a few moments ago so the question of course is going to be is joe biden going to debate donald trump now you know i tell you as bad as he is now talking about seeing a, a dead french prime minister who died in 1996 as bad as he is now how bad is he going to be in october how bad is he going to be in september you know he's getting progressively worse that that clip I played you earlier of him, he's going on about how he, he goes to the G7 as president and talks to Mitterrand from Germany. I mean, Mitterrand from France. Mitterrand from France died in 1996. So he's – he's. I mean, he's not there. He's not all there. He's, a, as Michael Rappaport put it, a walking cadaver. How much worse is it going to be in the fall? Democrats are thinking that. And look, say what you want about Trump. The guy is is – I mean, I, I know he made a mistake saying uh, Nikki Haley versus Nancy Pelosi regarding the National Guard troops, but people make mistakes. I think it's you got to look at patterns that determine whether or not somebody is lucid or not. And if you look at patterns of Joe Biden, you realize that Joe Biden is a freaking mess. But he came out short time ago. Uh, he didn't have an ice cream. He had what looked to be some sort of an ice cream shake, possibly. I'm not quite sure and was asked about debating Trump. This is what he said. Donald
17: Trump said he's ready to debate you right now. Do you
3: accept? He said that I'm rando. He said that debate you
14: immediately, you said. Immediately? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, Will you well, debate I, him? I i want to debate me, too. You got nothing else to do.
2: Yeah, nothing else to do except fight the government trying to prosecute him in federal court, fight the government trying to prosecute him in Georgia state court, um, fighting New York State, trying to destroy his business in civil court. Otherwise, fighting defamation suits. Other than that, he's got nothing to do. He's fighting your weaponized Department of Justice coming after him with a massive indictment to try to put him away behind bars as he's running for president of the United States of America. But you're right. He's got nothing to do. All his free time on his hands. The question is, what do you have to do, Mr. President, considering that you you launched all these missile strikes in the Middle East you have not addressed the nation. You haven't spoken publicly. You haven't spoken from the Oval Office. You haven't even got to the White House podium. You're, you're drinking milkshakes. You're walking around drinking milkshakes. Uh, just so you know how bad Nikki Haley is, and you know I think Nikki Haley is, is bad. We've spent a lot of time on the show today telling you how bad this border bill is, and it's bad. This thing is a gigantic gift to Ukraine, $60 billion Ukraine aid package disguised as a border bill. That's what it is. It still lets in 5,000 people a day that we know of. And it basically doesn't really end catch and release because it doesn't end end catch and release because it gives people all kinds of exceptions to be able to claim a humanitarian reason why they should get to say. And I told you the number one humanitarian reason that these people have to say is climate change. Because Alejandro Majorca said it is the single biggest reason why people are, are fleeing countries to come to America: climate change. So all you have to do is claim that great humanitarian crisis of climate change, and you're going to be allowed to stay in the United States of America. This border bill is a disaster. It is a disaster that is not going to solve the problem in any way, shape or form. All this is is a way to give money to Ukraine under the guise of it being a border bill, and that's it. And it's a joke. In fact, there was fireworks at the Senate GOP Communications Directors this AM over the border bill. After Senator Lankford's team gave a presentation on the bill and opened up for questions, Senator Mike Lee, you know we love Mike Lee on this show, was yelling at Langford staff per multiple people in the room. Lee's aide eventually left the room saying betrayal. I am told that Mike Lee staffer just blew up the Republican Conference Committee meeting and stormed out. Among other invectives against the bill, he said that Senator Lankford might not want to get reelected, but the rest of their bosses do, followed by applause. While it sounds like the staffer had his very own Mr. Smith goes to Washington moment, it actually didn't turn out very well for him. Both Rogers and Desiderio added in separate tweets that the staffers outburst and abrupt exit were immediately followed by raucous laughter. I'm told those in the room erupted in laughter after Senator Lee's aide stormed out. Another source tells me there was more laughter than applause inside the room after the staffer left the room. Good. Laugh at him. That shows you exactly what I mean about the Republican Party in the Senate. A bunch of clowns. With, with a few exceptions, a bunch of clowns. With, uh, with, with, and clowns hire clowns. Clown senators hire clown staff members. That's the bottom line. So yeah, they're all going to joke. It's a big joke. It's a big yuck it up. A big joke. Uh, Here is um, Jen Psaki basically confirming that Joe Biden has called Donald Trump a sick F and more in private. Former White House spokesperson, now MSNBC anchor, cut four. Okay,
17: there
10: are a
13: couple things that happened this week that
10: may have gotten Democrats a little excited. I mean, I'm not talking over the moon doing black flips excited, but definitely a little excited. First was a report from Politico revealing some of the things Joe Biden calls Donald Trump behind closed doors. We're going to put it up on the screen. None of it surprised me, really. But we're a family show, so we're not going to say any of it. But you get the idea from what you see there. I'm not condoning it, of course, but there were some definitely some definitely some Democrats out there who may have felt seen by it.
2: Mm. So she all but confirmed it. All right. So back to Nikki Haley now. The swamp would like Nikki Haley to be there. They would be fine with it because Nikki Haley is all on board with the border bill. So while they're out there disparaging Trump and calling him a sick F and everything else, they're also working to do everything they can to try to help and save Nikki Haley's candidacy. Nikki Haley just went on with Neil Cavuto a short time ago and um, backs the border bill. The border bill that I've told you is is an outrageous, outrageous bill that will still let in 130,000 illegal immigrants a month that we know of. And they'll all be allowed to stay if they claim a humanitarian issue. It does nothing to secure the border, and it gives $60 billion to Ukraine. It also gives humanitarian aid, I'm using air quotes, to Gaza, which, of course, is money that will be controlled by Hamas. But here's what Nikki Haley said. Take a listen. Well, I, had,
7: I still have you, Ambassador. I do want to get your take on this border bill. Um, you know, Donald Trump has famously said that Republicans who vote for should be ashamed of themselves. We're, we're going to have Senator Lankford with us shortly, uh, who's amazed at the response it's getting and wondering if maybe that could be because Republicans um, might feel that they're in a better position not to have something like this, uh, that it could help Joe Biden and it wouldn't help them. How are you on this?
17: There's two things going on here, and we have to speak hard truths. First of all, everybody's tired of a do nothing Congress. I mean, can they do anything? Because we've seen nothing out of Republicans or Democrats. They have an inability to get anything done. The second thing is you can't have Trump sitting there saying, don't do anything until the election. We have a completely open border. America's acting like it's September 10th, and we better remember what September 12th felt like because it only takes one person across that border to create a 9/11 moment. We need this fix now. We need congressional members to stay in DC and not leave until they figure this out. When I look, look at the measure, border bill, does
7: that mean this measure? I know you said it has warts and some issues like that, but if this is all it's going to be, um, with maybe slight variations, uh, better this than nothing.
17: Well, I think first of all we do know what Congress does. When they pass something, then they wipe their hands and say we already did that. Mm-hmm. If they're gonna do this, they need to do it right. The one part I like about this bill is I like that it strengthens the asylum chart the asylum requirements. That's very important. We haven't had that and we need that. The part that I don't like about the bill it doesn't require remain in Mexico, which is very important at keeping them from coming on U.S. soil in the first place. And I don't like the 5,000 limit. We don't want anybody to come in. We can't say only when 5,000 people have crossed the border. They need to stay there. They need to figure this out. They need to adjust it, amend it. and So be against the can, bill. So then turn around and be leave.
2: against the bill, like all the brave Republican senators are doing, like Rand Paul. But the thing is that she supports the Ukraine money. That's the little secret here. She does. And I'll I'll read you some tweets from Senator Rand Paul. There was a story that I'm pretty sure we covered last week. Officials say $40 million earmarked to buy uh, mortar shells for the war in Ukraine were stolen. Ukraine says corrupt officials, officials in the government stole $40 million of USAID meant to buy arms for the war with Russia. Senator Rand Paul tweets out, amazing, this predictable revelation is only a week old, and yet the swamp's new border security bill, in air quotes, gives Ukraine $60 billion more. From the squandering of your money to the fake border reforms, it's safe to declare this bill as anti-American, I'm a no. But he's not done. He said, Democrats proudly proclaim the new border law never closes the border. And of course, the entire $115 billion will be borrowed. Nothing. Absolutely nothing conservative about this deal. And he's still not done. Any legislation impacting border security has significant consequences for our nation's security, immigration system, and taxpayers. It is imperative that members of this body are afforded the opportunity to thoroughly review this. This came from a joint statement by um, Senator Ron Wyden and Rand Paul and Rick Scott of Florida. And he's still not done. He said instead of working to secure the border, Langford McConnell, Schumer and others were doing the complete opposite, using any opportunity to send foreign aid to other countries and use other avenues to waste taxpayer spending. So, and then he's still not done. Fed Chair Powell says federal debt problem is urgent. McConnell, Biden and Schumer say borrow another 118 billion dollars and send it to foreign countries. This bill is a disaster. Okay, this bill is a disaster. And, you know, and I know that the swamp loves it because it gives money to Ukraine, which means and then that helps boost up our military industrial complex. So that's why this bill is being is being crammed through. And it needs to it needs to die. And we need to have a separate bill on the border. And then we need to have a separate debate on Ukraine funding. And then Republicans should vote no, no no period end it but they won't do that they support ukraine funding too much speaker johnson who said the bill is uh well actually this is kind of an old cut he since has said this bill that came out is now dead on arrival at least in the house so that's good and we'll have to see what happens with um with that but you know what democrats are panicking over joe biden's poll numbers i told you showed you how it is very very obvious to everybody that um Trump is beating Biden in the state polls nationally as well. Simone Sanders among the uh, panel on Meet the Press. She's a former Kamala Harris staffer and Democrat strategist. And she says when it's time to really panic about Joe Biden's poll numbers, cut three.
5: I know that we're just absorbing it this morning, but take us inside what you expect your Democratic colleagues at the White House in the campaign. To say when they see these numbers. Look, I think f- people are going to echo what they told Hallie this last night and this
10: morning, that it is early and there is still time, which is true. Now, it's I think that the, the there is still time means there's time until August, September. Wait. If you are waiting all the way until November, if we are having this conversation in August, that is time for the pants on fire. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, guess what? You're still going to have this conversation in August. I'm just letting you know. Uh, Sid on Twitter says, if I'm 16 and voting for school board elections, then here's my list of demands to earn my vote. Pizza five days a week in the cafeteria, and I want a Sunday bar. (laughs) No homework, more snow days, recess to be extended by 30 minutes. All school buses will have seats that recline. Well said, Sid. I'll get into that in the next hour with you. What King Philip the Unaccountable is Royal Rugness is proposing... In New Jersey, Marcus Aurelius says, Rich, if illegals are coming to the USA because of climate change, doesn't that mean that the USA's climate must be pretty good? If illegals are coming to the USA for a better existence, why would they come to a place where the climate poses an existential threat? Great point. Well said. Uh, and um, Mike Braun says, since Biden talks to dead people, does he have lunch with the Seggies? I wonder what they talk about. Very good, Mike. It's a throwback to Chris Matthews saying Joe Biden pals around with the Seggies, segregationists in his own party, the Democrat senators. Uh, That check-in on social media brought to you by our friends at Cherry Hill Vavo, where relationships matter. I'm going to get into... um, the fake cancel culture thing regarding Tracy Chapman and, and Luke Holmes. There's a, there's a there's a something to this. I want to get into. I want to spend some time on this with you because I think it's very important to note. In addition, the music was excellent, but um, it really shows you how this stuff. These are manufactured controversies, and they really are. And it's just uh, something that um, we gotta we gotta deal with. But before I do that, Henry, I know was dying to play some killer mic for you in the six o'clock hour but he can't do any of that so but you are getting accolades on twitter for your musical selections oh well nice thank you thank you everybody you're welcome yeah you got called out for um hollywood nights because that is that's
13: that's actually a great return song oh i love it it's one of my favorites to play
2: yeah that's a great song to come back to Like, makes you feel peppy
13: yeah totally in the five o'clock hour coming coming off the drive at five it's perfect
2: old man dudley says hollywood nights has two drum tracks and why is Giordano wanting me to look at Gronkowski's package? I don't think that's what he was saying in that ad. Uh, old man Dudley. Free, but hit the Odyssey mo- Rewind and go take a listen. And listen back. It's free money. Take, take the bet. Yeah. This is, you can listen live for free on the Odyssey app. And go back and find out if that's what Dom was saying. About Gronk's junk.
13: Henry's taking the bet. It's a free bet on FanDuel.
2: I agree. Listen, I'm not, you know, not saying I'm not saying not to do that. Uh, also, <laughs> excuse me, uh, big six o'clock hour straight ahead, fourth and final hour. I want to thank my friends at Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill for being outstanding sponsors of the show. You know, Judith, Yosef, and the entire team are there for you each and every day. They are the best. And now is your opportunity to drive a beautiful S60 courtesy car for less than $29,000. Oh, it's unbelievable. With less than 5,000 miles on them, these cars are like new, and they are beautiful. You're going to love driving one. It's an incredible opportunity. The courtesy vehicles are used very rarely. I mean, they're for people that need a loaner car or for valet service, and that's why they're kept in incredible shape. That's why you're going to be able to get one for less than 29 grand. The Volvo S-Class is made in America. American Jobs at their plant in South Carolina. And Cherry Hill Vavo stands with us. It's why we broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Vavo studios every single day. We're so proud of that partnership. Listen, I've driven the S60. I had it for five months during my Care by Volvo lease, and I loved it. It's fast. It's super luxurious. And the technology is unmatched and you'll love the price less than 29 grand with less than 5000 miles on it so what are you waiting for these are not going to last go to cherry hill vavo today right on route 70 the region's most accessible vavo dealership and the only vavo dealership that stands with us at talk radio 1210 wphd and whether you want to do a beautiful suv a certified pre-owned or the care by vavo lease program where you're able to get to take advantage of getting a new vavo every 5 months judith We'll make sure you get the absolute best incentives, aggressive incentives. That's what they're known for, finding you the absolute best price. And during their renovation, they're doubling down. So go see them today. Cherry Hill, Volvo, on Route 70 in Cherry Hill is where relationships matter.
1: Rich Scioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.
2: Controversy of nonsense. And the beautiful part about it is it was a stunning duet last night. And if you got a fast car, you know how quickly the left can try to make controversy over nothing. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. It is our fourth and final hour here on Talk Radio 1210 to PhD on a Monday evening. And uh, don't forget Wednesday night, our big night, big event with Terry Hayes. We're excited for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Terry Hayes, his new book, The Year of the Locust. Uh, Phenomenal read. Phenomenal. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Highly recommend it to you. So check it out. I think you're going to enjoy it very, very much. We'll have a great time. He'll sign the book for you, and uh, we'll have some good conversation together. You know, We'll talk about all kinds of different things. He's got a lot of insight into the CIA, Iran, all these very, very dangerous places around the world. So I'm excited. Uh, to have the conversation coming up on Wednesday night. Just go to 1210WPHG.com and get your tickets today. So there was, a, there was a whole thing a while ago about the song Fast Car. And, you know, the, the thing about it is that, and this is the thing, years and years ago, Tracy Chapman's song fast car became a whole it was a huge show it was a huge hit this the song itself was a huge hit and then it was it was they did a cover of it by a country singer by the name of luke combs and when luke combs came out with it there was all this stuff about how they wanted essentially now luke combs to stop singing the song fast car they want him to stop singing it like enough like, like don't sing it like stop and it was the Washington Post that really came out with this. I mean, it was a, a, a writer by the name of Emily Yar, and this was this was the article. All right, Tracy Chapman, Luke Combs, and the complicated response to "Fast Car." Combs' remake of Chapman's 1988 hit dominates the country charts, renewing difficult conversations about diversity in Nashville. This is called a manufactured controversy there's there really was no controversy and last night when the two of them got on the stage together at the Grammys and sang a duet which was beautiful I thought it was a great moment in time of just showing everybody like you know you can you can start your day thinking how can I how can I be offended what can I be offended by next and just seek and you shall receive just seek out controversy seek out offense wherever you are and then yeah you'll you're, you'll be good you'll find it because because you can find it anywhere So this is what uh, this woman wrote in the Washington Post. Tracy Chapman's Fast Car is one of those songs that you feel in your soul. The lyrics about the yearning to escape, the gentle guitar underlying a feeling of despair, but also the hope that something better is coming. (coughs) Excuse me. It can make you cry, but also inspire you to belt out the lyrics at the top of your lungs. Singers know that virtually any audience will hear the opening notes and go crazy, so it has become a go-to cover since its 1988 release on Chapman's self-titled debut folk album. But in the past few months, one particular cover has struck a chord that no one saw coming. In March, country music star Luke Combs released a new album, "Getting Old, that included a Fast Car remake, and uh, he had covered that song during his live shows for years. But when the track hit streaming services, it took on a life of its own, racking up enormous numbers and going viral on TikTok. Country radio stations started playing it, and the song was suddenly outpacing Combs' actual single, Love You Anyway. Combs and his team were stunned by the response, and the label eventually started promoting Fast Car to country radio stations as well. Last week, and this is back in, uh, what was this now, March, uh, July, excuse me, July of last year. And then... goes on to say that the numbers, um, uh, excuse me, I've lost my my space. here. Yes, so I reached number one on the Billboard Country Airplay chart. It was at number three on the all-genre Hot 100 chart after peaking at number two. To quite a few people, this is cause for yet another celebration in Combs' whirlwind journey as the genre's reigning megastar with 16 consecutive number one hits but it has also prompted a wave of complicated feelings among some listeners and in the Nashville community. Although many are thrilled to see FASCAR back in the spotlight and a new generation discovering Chapman's work, it's clouded by the fact that as a black queer woman, Chapman, not Luke combs I mean, he may be a black queer woman. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I, think he, I don't think he is, but I don't want to assume anything. Uh, Tracy Chapman, a black queer woman, would have almost zero chance of that achievement herself in country music. No, it's true, because women never make it in country music. They, n- they never make it. What? <laughs> the numbers are bleak. A recent study by data journalist John Deem and musicologist Jada Watson reported that fewer than 0.5% of songs played on country radio in 2022 were by women of color and LGBT plus artists. LGBTQ plus plus IA everywhere of the alphabet artists. And they were largely excluded from radio playlists for most of the two decades earlier. Yeah, I'm sure there's a big I'm sure lots of radio stations are trying very hard to not play uh, LGBTQ plus plus IA every other of the alphabet artists in today's day and age. I'm sure it's exactly it. Maybe there's just not a lot of them. Maybe there's just not a lot that, that fit that diversity checkbox within that genre of music. On one hand, Luke Combs is an amazing artist, and it's great to see that someone in country music is influenced by a black queer woman. That's really exciting, said Holly G, founder of the Black Opry, an organization for black country music singers and fans. But at the same time, it's hard to really lean into that excitement, knowing that Tracy Chapman would not be celebrated in the industry without that kind of middleman being a white man and by the way, I'm gonna, I'll let you know that Tracy Chapman has made Buku Bucks from Luke Combs' cover, uh, probably close to at this point a million bucks, because she owns the rights to the song. She owns the rights to the song, she's the writer, and she got the producer credit too. So she's she's Reagan in, in bucks. You know what I mean. So I don't particularly think that Tracy Chapman minded very much when people were out there singing her song, because when when Luke Combs sang it, it was the kind of thing where where people were paying, you know, streaming, and then everybody was very very happy with it. So this, this is this is this is this is again. This is it's one of those things. It's a it's a it's a phony fugazi phony fugazi I don't controversy.
3: Be for Together,
1: you and me find it, I got no plans, I ain't going nowhere Take your best car and keep on driving
2: Crowd loved it. Everybody loved it last night at the Grammys. Loved it.
13: You got a bad call.
1: Fast enough so you can fly away.
13: We gotta make
9: a decision.
1: Chief tonight, I live and die this way.
2: I mean, it's great. And then they cheered and everybody loved it. And he bowed, he bowed before her and kneeled and, you know, did the whole, like, I'm genuflecting to you and your greatness. Tracy Chapman wasn't offended by the fact that Luke Combs covered her song. She was psyched. She was happy about it. She was very happy. But this is what happens, though, right? I mean, this is what happens when woke does its ugly thing of trying to divide everybody. At the time that she was asked about it, Tracy Chapman was fine. She was cool with it, but but there are people within the corporate media who then have to search around and search around and say, oh, well, here's a country white dude doing this song. Therefore, somebody must be offended. Who was offended by it? Nobody. And clearly not Tracy Chapman, since she was on the stage with them last night, and the checks were cashing. And of course, what do they have to bring into this? George Floyd. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. No, it's true. Of course, Washington Post. Back to that piece. There have been there has been a concerted effort from some in Nashville to promote inclusivity, particularly since the industry wide reckoning after the killing of George Floyd in 2020. By the way, the killing of George Floyd by drugs in his system, but despite according to the quarter's report, of course. But despite some individual success stories, the systemic lack of diversity has persisted. Now that Chapman's classic is on to pace is on pace to become one of the biggest songs of comb's career, there are uneasy and complex emotional responses. And it's still the same woman who started the Black Opry who says, I've talked to a lot of black artists about it. We don't know how to feel. It did make things a bit easier when Chapman, who hasn't given an interview in years, sent a brief statement to Billboard last week saying the following, "Quote: I never expected to find myself on the country charts, but I'm honored to be there. I'm happy for Luke and his success and grateful that new fans have found and embraced Fast Car. But, but but so even though Tracy Chapman was fine with it and actually honored that that wasn't enough for the woke uh, black Opry woman, because then she came back and said, we can continue to celebrate it, but it doesn't mean we should be having we shouldn't be having these conversations. And this white writer for the Washington Post, of course, you know, just stirring the pot here. These mixed feelings were echoed on social media last month when Combs' fast car made headlines after it jumped to number 4 on the all-genre Billboard Hot 100, surpassing Chapman's own peak of number 6 in August of 1988. (gasps) Even taking into account the difference in chart metrics over the time, some people have a typical visceral reaction that occurs when anyone covers an iconic song. It will never be as great as the original whether they like the cover or not others hope this situation would lead to more awareness about the larger issues in country music and black art in general Jake Blount an afrofuturist folk artist is that a is that a college major do you, do you, can you can you major in afrofuturism is that like time travel for I, 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 again, I'm, I don't, I don't know what, the, what, 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 what that, I should, anyway, who has devoted his career to studying music history and reinterpreting older songs, tweeted about the concern of Chapman's legacy being overwritten in real time. He thought about how Big Mama Thornton's Hound Dog was consumed by Elvis Presley, or how Memphis Minnie and Kansas Joe McCoy's When the Levee Breaks was overshadowed by Led Zeppelin, along with endless other examples by the white male genius archetype that often receives credit for songs by black artists. Oh my God, because that's because we live in that exact same time period. We live in that exact same time period. No, no, No doubt about it. When I wrote those tweets, people replied to me and said, oh, there's no way anybody's going to forget Tracy Chapman. She's too big already. And I hope that's true. But I know how it's played out before. We know black visionaries who have created incredible, powerful, influential works that have been forgotten and erased. It's not malice from the white artists making derivative music based on theirs, but it's how society works. And then, of course, they have to get into all of the other things that, you know, they have to find more over the decades and they have to find other things and. The immediate success of Combs Fast Car kind of just proves that when you put a white face on black art, it seems to be consumed a lot easier. What are you talking about? That song was a massive hit when it came out. Everybody loved that song by Tracy Chapman when it came out. That's why it's been covered a bajillion times by both white and black people and other colors along the spectrum, too. That's why some goals of the Black Opry are to make sure artists of color can have equal opportunities and get the same amount of attention and to push for change among gatekeepers in Nashville. This genre needs to expand their boardrooms and let marginalized people in these rooms and make a bigger bet on these artists. It makes your head hurt, doesn't it? In interviews, Combs has talked about how it was one of the first songs he learned to play on guitar. How it reminds him of spending time with his dad when he was young. But the song has always had a particular significance in the black and IA every letter, letter of the alphabet communities. So the song is, is reserved for them, and nobody else should sing it. How annoyed were these people last night when Tracy Chapman came out and sang the song with Luke Holmes? How, how, how annoyed was Woke last night? That might be one reason the song hits with country, with country audiences. Though as someone who lived in Oakland, California, when Fast Car came out and saw how it connected to the queer community, it's difficult to see the success of Combs cover knowing that country music, with its historic emphasis on tradition, has generally shied away from highlighting LGBTQ plus artists and their stories, which is all part of the complexity of the current, What are you talking about? He did a song that was written by a black lesbian. And it became a huge hit within the country audience. It wasn't like country music star audience members came out and said, "We're canceling you, bro. How dare you cover that song by Tracy Chapman? She's a she's a queer black woman. Now we're canceling you, Luke Combs." It wasn't like they didn't know whose song it was. And this is this is what we see that is often is the manufactured controversy. And I'll tell you, she's made about. I mean, a sizable portion of the Combs approximately $500,000 in earnings so far. And it's going to make even more now. I mean, it's going to blow up. I think the big lesson here is black women belonged in country music all along. If that song can chart number one today in country, it should have charted it in 1988. It wasn't a country song in 1988. That's the difference. Nobody thought of it as a country song. I think country music has evolved since 1988. A lot, of people, a, lot of, a lot of country stations play music that in 1988 they probably never would have played. Country music has evolved. I love country music, and it's evolved into a lot of different genres. I mean, You could be listening to a country music channel, and you could hear Jimmy Buffett on there. Is Jimmy Buffett country? I don't know. I mean, I guess it really depends. But the one thing I do know, though, is that just leave it to woke to make a controversy out of nothing. And then the New York Times today... Tracy Chapman reclaims her fast car, reclaims it. What do you mean she reclaimed it? So that means if anybody does a cover of a song and that song is successful, then the artist who originally did it, that artist then has lost it. And of course, this writer who writes this whole thing goes on to say that, you know, this 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 whole issue, this whole issue is because white people don't like black women singers. That's so ridiculous, and I'll tell you, it's kind of ironic because I think to myself as I think about Mickey Gutton, Kane Brown, Jimmy Allen, Britney Spencer, Willie Jones. You re- you just Google that and you go. Are there any black country music artists? Charlie Pride, Darius Rucker. Darius Rucker has had at least eight number one hits on the country charts from his three albums he's released so far. He's doing better than when he was with Hootie, if you ask me. He's been he's been he's doing better than when, when he was with Hootie and the Blowfish, in my opinion. Manufactured controversy. Another manufactured controversy, of course, was the canceling of Shane Gillis, which we talked about earlier, when Saturday Night Live canceled him. But it goes a long way to telling you, Tracy Chapman, this getting on stage last night. Tracy Chapman getting on stage last night with Luke Combs annoyed the left. You know and I know it annoyed them so much because they wanted her to reject it. They wanted her to come out and say this is not cool. They wanted her to come out and say no way. Absolutely not. Don't you dare. Don't you dare come out and play this song. Don't you dare embrace the white country man. And this is a a piece I read. Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs Grammy. Performance of Fast Car is a masterclass in emotional intelligence. With a brilliant performance, Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs teach a powerful lesson to artists and creators everywhere. Yeah, you know why? Because it was good. Because it was great, that's why. It teaches artists and content creators a brilliant and counterintuitive lesson in how to create in a way that resonates with others. What lessons can we learn? How about this: People aren't racist. People aren't bigoted and homophobic either. They just like really good music. They just like good music. Imagine that. Not everything is seen through the eyes of politics and woke and cancel culture. Imagine what a what a what a revelation! This is so good. I may listen. To, I may just listen to this for the rest of the night. You got a
1: fact. car. Oh. I got a plan. inside of here. Been working at the convenience store. Managed to save just a little bit of money. Wanted to drive to the bar. Just crossed the border and into the city. And you and I
2: can both get jobs. Finally see what it means to be living. You know, the lesson here is that the controversies that you see are not real and some at some point corporate America is going to learn this lesson really you know what I mean they're going to they're going to learn this lesson at some point
16: maybe they won't Sirenet Live
2: canceled Shane Gillis and now he's hosting the show why'd you cancel him in the first place why
1: he didn't need to
2: so good right all right we got a lot to talk about today but this is the top story of the day today brought to you by dr Mike Venaria he knows he's got a fast car VenariaDental.com, vanaria dental.com dr Mike Venaria my buddy my dentist my friend here we go here's a little bit more for you here we go
6: when
1: your car the lockout Right around my I, I, a feeling that I belong the only show on your schedule from talk radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app
2: all right rolling along here on a uh, Monday night. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. So that was my master class for you in manufactured controversy and woke nonsense. Uh, his Royal Highness, King Philip the Unaccountable, has now de- determined that he wants kids 16 years old to vote in local elections. This is what the governor, his Royal Highness, announced in his State of the State address. Now, let me ask you a question, honestly. And you could, of course, tweet along with the show, at Rich Zioli. Let me ask you a question. Should 16-year-old kids be allowed to smoke? Should they be allowed to drink? Should they be allowed to um, buy guns? Now, the the answer to those questions is all over the place. But why is it they're allowed to vote then? If we if how come somebody's allowed to vote for somebody who's going to spend my money, or in some in some cases send people to war if their brains are not fully matured if they cannot decide whether or not they should really get a smoke and a beer why then can they decide on those things that affect my life and the school board thing is particularly interesting because by lowering the voting age to 16 years old what you're doing is you are getting people that have so-called skin in the game except they don't have skin in the game because the reality of the situation is they're not paying taxes so, yeah, when the, when, the, when the school district comes out and says we need a brand new school, they're like, yeah, why not? Need a raise for teachers? Sure, why not? And when they want to vote for school board members and want to just spend more money, they're like, yeah, well, uh, sure, why not? Because they don't pay property taxes. They don't pay taxes. So they're going to vote on the school board officials who are then going to make those decisions. And that's the problem. And that's the problem that we all have. But uh I do have a little bit of his royal highness from his state of the state address. Here we go. Here we go. Uh Mm -hmm. Peasants, gather around. His royal highness, King Philip the Unaccountable, thinks your children are morons. But he knows they'll vote for liberals who spend lots and lots of your money.
6: I'm asking the legislature to send to my desk a voting rights bill that would allow 16 and 17 year olds to vote in local school board elections. This is a proposal inspired by two bright young leaders with us today, Anjali Krishnamurti and Yen J. Hu.
10: Last week, we helped the city council pass an ordinance that would lower the voting age to 16 in school board
4: elections. And outside of Newark, we're also looking to expand 16-year-old voting in school board elections across the entire state of New Jersey.
6: Voting is a lifelong habit, and studies show that if a person votes in one election, they are far more likely to turn out in
2: the next election. Why 16? Why not 15? Why not 14? Why not as soon as they come out of the womb if they survive it in New Jersey? Seriously, why? Why 16? This is again, this is what I, this guy, this idiot wants to raise the age to buy a gun for kids to at least at least 21 minimum. This same Royal Highness, his Royal Rugness wants to say you can't buy a gun to your 21 years old. Can't go shooting to your 21. And they raise the cigarette age to 21 from 18. Now, they, they, and they want to they want to do the same thing with vaping nicotine pouches all over the place but when it comes to voting no no them the kids those kids oh no no, no their minds are completely and utterly absolutely ready ready to make these lifelong decisions peasants ready Ahem.
13: Mm-hmm.
2: peasants gather around his royal ruggedness king philip the unaccountable knows that your children can barely read And that you can barely afford to stay here. So let these idiot children vote.
6: So encouraging our young neighbors to engage with democracy is really about encouraging them to become lifelong voters. So we started, we heard why start why 16.
10: Calling for legislation why? that would lower the voting age statewide in school board elections. We were absolutely ecstatic. This is something that we've been working on for years and at times it felt why bad. just
2: school board elections though? I mean th- listen, if the argument is cuz they're in school, but you are also you live in a town. So why can't you vote for your mayor and council people? You live in a country, why can't you vote for president? Why can't you vote for your members of Congress? I mean the argument that they have skin in the game cuz they go to school, but you they also live. They also live every day. In this, in this, in the United States of America. So why, why are we just lowering the voting age of 16 for school board elections? And you know that you know exactly why, you know the answer. It's not popular. This is a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea because these are not, they're not paying taxes. And what's going to happen is they're going to go with the school board members who are the ones who are going to want to spend the most money. And then your property taxes are only going to go up because I'll tell you in most states, but particularly in New Jersey with the structure of the school funding formula, it is, these schools that are the primary driver of your property taxes. If you pay a lot of property taxes, which I'm sure you do, it is schools that are the reason why they, they make up the bulk of your property tax bill. Look at it. It's usually not your municipal taxes. It's usually not the county taxes. It's the schools. And in fact, the the, 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 the town and the counties, they're capped at, I think they can only raise property taxes by two and a half percent or something like that, or, or they're spending by that much. There's a formula they use and everything, but, but the school boards that's the bulk of it right there. That's the majority of where your money goes right there. I just, I don't understand, again, what the age of adulthood is. And I just wish somebody would tell me. Just tell me what it is. Do you remember um, when I saw Dr., our, our friend Dr. Wilfred Riley posted this on Twitter. Michael Nutter addressed something about, about um, kids. Do you remember Michael Nutter? When you talk about race and violence, after mobs of blacks rampage through Philadelphia, committing violence as similar mobs have rampaged through Chicago, Denver, Milwaukee, and other places. Philadelphia's black mayor at the time, Michael Nutter, ordered a police crackdown and lashed out at the whole lifestyle of those who did such things. He said, if you walk into somebody's office with your hair uncombed and a pick in the back and your shoes untied and your pants half down, tattoos up and down your arms and your neck, and you wonder why somebody won't hire you, they don't hire you because you look like you're crazy. Well, oh, this might seem as it is just plain common sense. What Mayor Nutter said undermines a whole vision of the world that has brought fame, fortune, and race hustlers into politics. Any racial disparities in hiring can only be due to racism and discrimination, according to the prevailing wisdom, which reaches from street corner demagogue to the August chambers of the Supreme Court of the United States. And I think that when My- Michael Nutter pointed this out in Philadelphia, it was great. It was great. And he retweeted this as a tweet by Thomas Sowell, the genius of, well, everything, really. So this is not something to ignore or excuse. It is something to be stopped. Mayor Michael Nutter of Philadelphia seems to be the first openly uh, black mayor to recognize this. This needs to be done for the sake of both blacks and white Americans, and even for the sake of the hoodlums. But I guess, I guess the point, though, would be we understand how a lot of kids are just not mature enough. So I'm constantly, constantly... Listening and hearing how children need to grow up and, 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 and need to be able to experience maturity before they can enjoy the, the, the privileges of adulthood. Do you remember there was that one story? There, there was that one bill in Pennsylvania. There's a, one, there's a bill in Pennsylvania that would say until you're 25, they got to factor in your age, your mental acuity into sentencing you. They got to factor that in when sentencing you because the brain is not fully matured. You're not an adult. Till you're 25. Okay, you're not an adult. to your 25, but you're going to vote in school board elections when you're 16. It's the lunacy of the left that is the problem. And you, you, you—if you Google what time does adulthood begin, they say the brain keeps developing till they're 25. But the next thing you see, it'll begin with the school board elections, and then it'll go into the municipal elections. And then eventually it'll go into president because when 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 kids are younger and they don't have a stake in the game and they're not paying taxes, they are more likely to vote for whoever makes an emotional appeal to them, a.k.a. the left. The left loves making emotional appeals, not making appeals on logic and intellect. There's an old saying. It says, if you're not. Liberal, by the time you're 25, you don't have a heart. If you're not conservative, by the time you're 35, you don't have a brain. I mean, you could change the ages around, but you get the point of that. They say, I remember years ago, uh, uh, Evil Jared who was the program director, said, people usually start discovering conservative talk radio when they're 35. I know that there are younger people in the Zoli army. I know that for a fact. But that's usually the age because people buy a house, they start paying taxes, they start realizing what all this is costing them, how little money they have in their paycheck, and they turn around and go, I need an answer to this. Somebody help me figure out the direction. They all, they all pull, they all pull a, uh, a 50 cent. They all pull a 50 cent and say, maybe Trump's better. You know, they pull a Snoop Dogg and realize, hey, maybe Trump's better. They they, they do a collective understanding of that. They pull a killer mic and they understand all these things. And it's not that complicated to see that when you have to pay for things, it changes your outlook on things. It changes how you feel about things in a big, big way. A lot more to come, including what is going to happen in the South Carolina Republican primary, meaning how bad will Nikki Haley get slaughtered? Don't go away.
1: Thanks for listening to the Ziole Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the Odyssey app.
2: How does $6,000 a head sound to you, huh? Sounds like pretty good cash. That's right. Well, a New Jersey-based gang of migrants charging $6,000 a head to smuggle illegal immigrants into the U.S. from Canada, according to a report. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. By the way... Um, you know, thinking about all these people like Michael Rappaport and Snoop, 50 Cent, Killer Mike, who are now on Team Trump. You just got to think to yourselves, all right, uh, when MSNBC goes and sits at a barbershop and talks to black voters and they explain why they back Trump over Biden, you got to kind of understand exactly what the reason is. It's the economy and it's the border. It's the economy and the border. This did not go as planned. MSNBC. At a black barbershop in South Carolina. Black voters in South Carolina. Not as planned. Not as planned by MSNBC. Take a listen.
7: There are some people in your orbit who are either voting for Donald Trump. For sure. A lot of my friends are obviously my age, so we're a little younger. We've
6: only voted once, you know, for a president. And Trump is kind of all we know. And they're kind of Trump and Biden. They're like, well, we were broke with Biden. We weren't with Trump. And that's kind of the only thing that I'm hearing over and over again, over and over again, is that Trump, we had money. Well,
2: there you go. I mean, under Trump, we had money. I don't know what to tell you beyond that. I don't know what to tell you. And 50 Cent slamming the mayor's idea in New York City, a $53 million program to hand out prepaid credit cards to migrant families. And 50 Cent tweeted out the following or put out the following. He said, WTF, Mayor Adams, call my phone. I don't understand how this works. Somebody explain. Maybe Trump is the answer. It's a pilot program that Mayor Adams administration will reportedly provide asylum seekers arriving at the Roosevelt Hotel with money for food and other necessities. The amount of money will be based on family size and potential income amounts for the details of the contract. One example provided by the New York Post says a family of four could be given nearly a hundred dollars a month or about thirty five dollars a day for food. Hmm. Sounds pretty good. Would you understand why people want to come to this country? Because they know that if they get here. Well, then they're going to they're going to they're going to do quite well. They're going to do very, very well. They're going to be OK. They're going to be OK. And this is an amazing story. A New Jersey-based migrant group is smuggling hordes of illegal immigrants into the U.S. across the Canadian border for a price of $6,000 a head. The human smuggling gang took root after its founders were briefly detained and cut loose by federal immigration authorities. Cut loose. Of course they were cut loose. Gotta cut loose, foot loose. The ringleaders, migrants from Guatemala and Colombia, snuck across the Mexican border and set up shop in the Garden State, running the lucrative scheme while dodging the feds. While U.S. Border Patrol agents grapple with an overwhelming flow of asylum seekers from Mexico, the Jersey-based gang has helped spark an under-the-radar surge in crossings along the northern border. Quote from Philip Kazins, professor of immigration studies at the City College of New York Graduate Center. He said, with the huge asylum seeking concentrations and with all those people crossing the border and with the huge increase in the amount of enforcement that is going on in the southern border, it is probably, if you have an option, a lot easier to try to get in without inspection across the Canadian border. We got to send John Candy up there. Canadian bacon. The Migrant smugglers are capitalizing on it, charging a hefty bounty to sneak immigrants from Quebec into Vermont, where, sec- where uh, scrutiny is much less intense. I mean, it's got to be a lot. It's got to be a lot easier to cross from Canada, but it's not like there's a ton of scrutiny at the southern border. Please, that's what we've been talking about throughout the entire day today. In June, Elmer Brand Galvez, allegedly a driver for the smuggling ring, was stopped by border agents in Franklin, Vermont, transporting four illegal immigrants. Telling authorities he was paid around eighteen hundred dollars for each illicit passenger, but was not charged. He wasn't charged. You know, you, you see those those illegal immigrants who were beating the crap out of those cops, and that's why that actor, Michael Rappaport, who hated Trump's guts, is making it very, very clear that he's with Trump now because of this. But these guys weren't charged. Those guys walk free. These guys were smuggling people in, and they're not charged. Last year, more than 10,000 migrants were busted trying to get into the U.S. from Canada illegally, nearly five times the 2022 figure, an indication of the massive rush across the northern border. Two of the New Jersey gang ringleaders... Juan Reina Perez, 34, and Victor Lopez Padilla, 35, were finally arrested by federal authorities, but it hasn't stopped the flow of migrants. Reina Perez, a Colombian national, crossed the U.S. southern border in Texas in April 2022 and was released pending immigration proceedings, but failed to check in with authorities and was busted again in October of that year, only to be released again. Isn't that infuriating? What is the deterrent for people doing this and smuggling people and breaking the law? If they get arrested and it's like, all right, well, don't do it again. And then you get arrested. go, Don't do it again this time. I mean it. Now you're on double secret probation. This is just a travesty. It's it's a travesty. And of course, the smuggling community, the human smuggling community, they talk to each other. They all know that they're not going to get in trouble. They know it's a joke. Lopez Padilla, who is from Guatemala, crossed into the U.S. and Arizona in June 2019 and was also released pending future proceedings, leaving him and his accomplices free to run the smuggling scam. According to the Daily Mail, Lopez Padilla may have ties to jailed narco-trafficker El Chapo, the alleged co-ringleader making several references to the drug kingpin on his Facebook account. Despite now finally being in custody, a third cohort, identified as Guatemalan national Simon Yacinto Ramos, remains on the loose and running the operation. Because Mexico is on Canada's list of visa-exempt countries, migrants can head there for an easier route into the U.S. if they can come up with the cash to pull it off. Presumably, some of them are entering legally on tourist visas, business visas, and any other kind of legal visa, and then illegally crossing into the United States. Nonetheless, the U.S. border with Mexico remains the most troubling center of the migrant crisis with more than 2 million crossings illegally last year. Well, of course, no question about it, but... At the same time, if you can get into Canada legally for really no reason and then you could just get into the U.S. a whole lot easier, at least you don't have to worry about the trek, the dangerous trek for coming in from Mexico. I don't think people are doing it because they're worried about getting caught because nobody gets nobody gets in trouble if you get caught. I think they are doing it because it's probably a lot easier and safer. That's why they're doing it is they are doing it. Because they do not have to go through the Rio Grande. They don't have to worry about razor wire. Ooh, that that pesky razor wire. They just go around it. Because what I always tell you, criminals are going to find a way, criminals are going to cheat, Cr- criminals who are, are always going to do these things, no question about it. By the way, sad, uh, sad note to give you that retired NYPD uh, firefighter Bob Beckwith, who was pictured on the cover of Time Magazine in 2001, he was a firefighter who stood next to President George W. Bush, when George Bush had the bullhorn, um, he died. Very, very sad. He was a, a true hero. Bob Beckwith, a retired firefighter who appeared in an iconic photo with President Bush, passed on Monday, and um, he was 91 years old. Uh, I was proud to call Bob my friend and extend my prayers and deepest sympathy to his wife, Barbara, and all his family members, said Peter King, Congressman Peter King, former Congressman Peter King on Facebook. Um, Yeah, that was an amazing moment. Remember when people said, I couldn't hear you, and... George Bush said, I hear you. And soon the people who knocked down these buildings, they're going to hear from all of us. We can't hear you, a person in the crowd shouted. That is when Beckwith said the president changed his speech on the fly, delivering an impassioned rallying cry that electrified his audience in the nation. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knocked down these buildings were here, will, hear, will hear all of us soon. He described the moment more than two decades later, remembered how the people at Ground Zero went berserk and broke out in chants of USA. And there I am standing there. I did look up to heaven and I did say, look at me, Ma, I'm with the president, he told the local NBC station. As he started to walk away, a Secret Service agent tapped him on the shoulder and handed him an American flag, saying that Bush wanted him to have it. The following year, Beckwith and his wife were invited to the White House where he gave Bush the famous bullhorn. The two men had forged a bond stemming from their chance encounter atop the crush fire truck. During Bush's two terms in office, Beckwith and his wife were invited to the White House Christmas party every single year. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, that's one of those things. I mean, that's one of those moments in American history that um, people will always think of. Uh, they, they And that guy, to be there in that moment, for, for him to be there when the President of the United States, right after 9 11, I mean, right after that happened, that's just an amazing, amazing moment. Oh,
15: hears you and the
1: people
15: and the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon
2: you know speaking of that, you know how people on the right are constantly called conspiracy kooks all the time? You have to deal with this constantly. Like If you have any conversations about Taylor Swift and how the government's going to use Taylor Swift and other influential people to try to push their message out or get you know, get people to vote Democrat, you're called a conspiracy nut. How come the same never applies to Democrats when they come up with conspiracy theories? Like Jamal Bowman, who pulled the fire alarm, Mr. Fire Alarm Puller. Remember him? The guy that pulled the fire alarm and then turned around and said, oh, no, it was, uh, I, I didn't mean it, and then ultimately pled guilty to a misdemeanor? You know, back in 2011, he wrote a 9 11 truther poem? Yes. Did you hear about this? No, because you only hear about the corporate media yelling about MAGA conspiracies, not people like this guy, not Democrat members of Congress. But this was the little poem he put out back then. Planes use as missiles, target the Twin Towers. 30 minutes later, both buildings collapsed onto themselves. Later in the day, Building 7 also collapsed. Hmm. Multiple explosions heard before and during the collapse. Hmm. Allegedly, two other planes, the Pentagon, Pennsylvania, hijacked by terrorists. Minimal damage done. Minimal debris found. Hmm. The Post then suggests readers go watch a pair of conspiracy theory movies and share your thoughts. Of course, now Congressman Bowman regrets the work for which he's now most famous for, of course, pulling the fire alarm. But nevertheless, isn't it something All the backlash from even conservatives to other conservatives discussing how the Democrats are going to try to capitalize on Taylor Swift's fame and fortune to influence people. They're called whack jobs and nuts. But Jamal Bowman, (laughs) please, please don't worry about it. Have a great rest of your night tonight. The great one, Mark Levin, is up next. Don't forget, Wednesday night, Terry Hayes, get your tickets today. Hey, keep the conversation going on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you for listening to the show. See you tomorrow.
1: Rich Zeeoli, weekday afternoons, three to seven. Talk Radio, twelve ten. WPHT, and on the Free Odyssey app.
3: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month, with eligible trade-in when you switch. Mm-hmm